deep in London's beating heart lies a wall. I'd like to it be if you know the call. For if the wall steps aside, be not afraid of what you see. Cause the wizard world has opened up as has the griffin. Hello everyone and welcome to the Shrieking Shack. This is a Harry Potter reread podcast for laughs fans. I'm your host, ZC. And I'm Liz. And Liz, we have maybe some of the biggest news we have ever needed to get to this week. Really? I'm talking huge news. Yes, this broke wow. on Twitter. This is really exciting stuff. Sure. I posted a picture of a can of Diet Dr. Pepper that I was drinking. Mm-hmm. And you told me you had tried the cream soda variety. And I have been waiting on pins and needles to discover <laughs> your take on Diet Dr. Pepper Cream Soda. You know, I wasn't, I didn't know this is where you were going with it. Um, I do have a Diet Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda sitting in front of me right now. Um, I'm, I'm sipping away at it. And let me mm. tell you, that's some spicy cream soda. <laughs> that's right. It's 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 cream soda with a little bit of that Dr. Pepper zest. I think it could have a little more Dr. Pepper zest in it. That's my hmm. take. Yeah, it is it's, very It could be a little soda. spicier. Yeah, it is it is very much mostly cream soda. Like really I, I think that you could probably uh make one of these on your own at home if you just add maybe one part Dr. Pepper <laughs> to, mm, I guess, three parts cream soda probably would do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? I think that that is why it succeeds is because it is like you drink it and you're like, oh, yeah, I've probably made this when I've like made a suicide at the uh, at the, you know, the McDonald's or whatever as a kid. Right. Right. Um, and I'm I'm a big I'm a big fan of I'm a big fan of of, of doing that, or I was at one point, uh, once upon a time. Um, that is our biggest news. Kind of a slow news week for Harry Potter stuff, though. Um, your your cream soda take was definitely the biggest thing on the docket this week. Um, I wish I wish I had a more exciting take about it. No, I hey you you were honest and and I agree with you. It is it is pretty good. It's mostly cream soda. Could maybe use a little bit more of the Dr Pepper. Here's the thing, I like cream soda. Mm hmm. That's that's just the story. So if yeah. you're gonna if you're gonna give me some cream soda, it's gonna have a little caffeine in it. It's gonna be a little spicy. I'm gonna like it. Yeah, you can't really go wrong. It's hard to screw up cream soda, honestly. Um, um, but, uh, that is, that is kind of our biggest, our biggest piece of news because Harry Potter seems to be taking a break this week. We haven't gotten any outrageous new articles on, on Harry Potter at home. The worst thing was there, there is this article that is called find 20 fantastic facts about Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, which lists a bunch of questions like who was Nicholas Flamel? On which date does the Hogwarts term begin? And then there's no answers. And then at the very bottom, when you scroll, it says, uh, to discover the answers in all, to all these fantastic questions, head over to Bloomsbury's website and search this beautiful infographic. So this is a little bit of, 
of cross promotion here. This is taking these kids to the Bloomsbury website, so they oh, can look I, at. Oh, I really thought that the, that the answer you were going to tell me was that it, at the, like you scrolled to the bottom and it said to find out the answers to these questions, read, read Harry Potter and the Philosopher's <laughs> Stone. <laughs> that one that would still be marketing, but it would at least make a little bit more sense. This this literally just takes you to another company's website, uh, which is yeah. which is very funny to me. Um, mm-hmm. JK Rowling, she's still, she's still trucking away on Twitter. Um, uh, I, I'm going to say this kind of telling some fibs maybe on the Twitter. Nothing, oh, fibs? Nothing. What kind of fibs well, is she telling? Just little fibs like, um, how she always loved the Italian cover of, uh, of Philosopher's Stone. Yeah. This, Okay. This this one just we kn- we know the lore behind this. We have this... seen her talk about the Italian cover before. We know why he's wearing a mouse hat on the Italian cover. Mm-hmm. I have to assume that she's been told why since she brings this up many many times and it was filmed saying she was mad about it when she first saw it because Harry wasn't wearing glasses and she was like, "Oh, so a protagonist can't wear glasses?" <laughs> but she's just still posting this and being like, what's up with the mouse hat? We all and people in the comments were linking to the answer. Yeah, it is. It, I you know what? Ti- you know, time passes. It's easy to forget things like uh, what you said about the Italian cover of a book you wrote 20 years ago or whatever. Um, but it is really funny seeing her go. I've always loved that cover because it's so odd. Why the rat head? Why the giant rat in the headscarf? I never met the illustrator, so I still don't know. And I'm just remembering the documentary we watched where she, like, has all the different covers that she's signing in front of her. And she just, like, points at the Italian one and is like, I don't get this one. I don't understand. What's what's the deal with this? I, I hate this. Like, she's really not pleased with it in the in that documentary. No. I guess sometimes if you just maybe tweet 10 to 20 times a day, you just have to return to your greatest hits. Yeah. Well, or or you have to do um, the Nancy Pelosi ice cream thing and show everyone your giant bookcase in your office. That was the other thing yeah. she did that was very funny. <laughs> and then um, say, don't worry, these aren't my only giant bookcases. Yeah. So th- that is that is a bit – I mean, like, that is – I would say like that if that was your only bookcases, I'd be like, okay, you have an impressive library. But but her just coming out and saying like, don't worry, these aren't my only bookcases is very funny to me. And also, she organized them by color, which yeah, I, mm, I really, I don't, you know, quarantine quarantine is going to be different for everyone. Uh, we're all we're all having to, to entertain ourselves uh, uh, while, while we're stuck inside. But uh, I cannot imagine organizing my books by color and having that be useful at all, other than just to make it pretty, which in that case, why do you have so many books if they are just there to be decorations? You got to read the books. You got to. You got to read the books if you have them. If you have a physical copy, I'm, 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 I'm very much anti- uh, just buying books because they look cool. I I think I think you got to be reading them if you're buy- if you're using the paper. Yeah, I'm looking over at my bookcase right now and noticing the exciting variety of books I've read, like The Mister by E.L. James. 
<laughs> Did you buy a paper copy of that? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's... I'm jealous, honestly. I would love to have a copy of The Mister sitting on my shelf. I want... Yeah, it has a place of honor. I I want... I'm I'm... I'm so speaking of like news, this isn't really like, like Harry Potter news, but like, I am waiting, I am waiting on, 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 you know, on, on bated breath for any sort of news about what's going on with the Mr. Movie. I realized that the deal closed right before everything shut down and the world went crazy. Right. But, but. I really, I want to, you know, they've got to be planning ahead. I want to know who's playing the mister. I want to know who's playing the maid. You got to give me something here. I've said this many times and I'm sure I'll say it many times again. um, Mm -hmm. They're really, they're really missing a huge opportunity if they don't call it Mr. Movie. (laughs) It, It is, it is the, they are sitting on like potentially the best marketing hashtag ever like hashtag Mr. Movie. that's that's gotta be that's gotta be what they go with i they they they're they're huge fools if they do not take that opportunity i'm imagining because you know how sometimes a hashtag would get like a little emoji wish it with it yeah i'm imagining like a um a classic um like f- like what what you picture um a french made like feather duster Ooh. Hashtag Mr. Movie with a little feather duster emoji. That's really good. I like that. It's either that it's gonna be it's got it's gotta be either that or it's gotta be like um uh, uh, uh his handsome face once they've picked the actor. Uh yeah. It those those are the two options. I think the feather duster is is a is a fantastic idea though. Um, I do have one last piece of Harry Potter related news. Speaking of, of, uh, of the quarantine, this is from MuggleNet. Hmm. A mural to spread hope. Amid the global COVID-19 pandemic, many wizards and muggles have been doing their best to spread hope during this time, such as a virtual tour that takes fans to Harry Potter specific locations in London via the internet. An artist in Missouri by the name of Craig Thomas has painted a mural of Harry Potter as a symbol of hope. The art shows Harry casting the Patronus charm on a giant spiked germ representing the coronavirus. Thomas gave the painting the name Expecto Coronis. The name comes from the Patronus charm, which Harry uses many times in the series. A Patronus is the only spell that can defeat Dementors, which is quite fitting for this painting, because coronavirus seems to have a similar and devastating attack on the world, as if all happiness is leaving. Um, Here is... First of all, great idea. Mm -hmm. Like, awesome. I love it. Love the concept. Couldn't Mm -hmm. be better. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Um... I don't I'm a little I'm a little confused about the inspiring hope part. Yeah. Well, here's maybe maybe looking at the uh the mural might might illuminate things. Uh to me it looks more like he is casting he is he is responsible for the coronavirus in this in this uh I mean that's kind of actually what I kind of was feeling like from the description as well like it does look like his patronus form has taken on the coronavirus <laughs> this is his new patronus is a giant a giant germ um which I yeah. don't I don't think is the is the best message to send here perhaps 
In an interview with local news station KFVS-12, Thomas commented on why he chose Harry as the focal point for his artwork. He doesn't always have it all figured out. I mean, he's bright enough, and he has good friends, and they all work on it together, and so I think a lot of people identify with that. If you just try your best, you know something good might happen. While most museums and art galleries are closed, it is possible to still admire this beautiful artwork. The mural is hung in the window of the Arts Council in Cape Girardeau. Thomas added that people can still see his art while social distancing. Come by at night and you can see it really nicely at night. You don't even have to get out of your car. What do you think about this artwork? I think that if I encountered this organically in the wild and didn't <laughs> go to see it on purpose, <laughs> I I would lose it. Yeah. This, I mean, I think that in that way, I think this piece of art really achieves its aim because this would probably just make my whole week <laughs> i mean they do say that that you know if an art if a piece of art gives you a reaction it succeeded and and i certainly have had a reaction to this painting that looks like harry is shooting a big germ out of his wand right i will say if harry Wonderful. is responsible for the coronavirus hey buddy uh uh, uh good job thanks a lot harry um, I, I but, think uh, it's more likely that wizards probably have the cure for the coronavirus, but they don't want to share it because who knows what the muggles will be asking for next. That's right. Who knows? Oh, muggles will be wanting you to cure cancer. Muggles will be wanting you to... God, this is... Oh, this is going right back to the very first episode of the show, huh? <laughs> <laughs> who who could have guessed when we started the show and we pointed out how weird that exchange between Harry and Hagrid was that we'd end up here? Ooh-wee. That's ring theory. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's ring theory. <laughs> oh God. Well, um, we have a lot of chapter to talk about this week, so we should probably get to it. We do have a lot of chapter this week. Because mm -hmm. we've done a little we've done a little uh switcheroo on on folks this week. That's right. That's right. We read two chapters this week. I, this was a, an 11th hour decision, um, because I messaged you, what, yesterday morning? Yeah, yesterday. And said, I, I hey, like... <laughs> hey, nothing happened in the chapter we were supposed to read. Yeah. Yeah, I had, like, I had, like, just gotten, I, I was, like, reaching for my book. I was like, all right, time to do my reading when you messaged me that. So I, I had not done it yet. But, uh, uh, you, you were right, um... I've actually just sent out a tweet to let all of the readers who are uh, 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 reading along with us to let them know, because I forgot to do that yesterday. Because um, the thing is, is that this first chapter, there's a, some, kind of some juicy stuff at the beginning and end, but most of it is a chase sequence. Yeah. How do you want to do this? Should I, do you want to hear about the first chapter and then we can talk about it and then we do the second? Or do you want to pretend that this is just one big chapter. I think that we should still do it as like two chapters here. Cause the, we need to relay the experience to our audience that the break in the chapter seems to only exist to give it a cool cliffhanger. That's right. All right. Yeah. Well, without further ado, we read chapter 28 and it's called flight of the prince. Harry's in shock. Snape just killed Dumbledore uh, and Snape, uh, immediately drags Draco away. Um, Harry is still invisible, but for the moment, as as he is 
in in just he can't believe what he just saw. He he realizes that he is no longer frozen by Dumbledore's spell and has has been released, um, probably because Dumbledore just died. Um, Harry then decides that he needs to go and he has to catch Snape um, and kind of has has linked the idea that if he catches Snape and Draco, that maybe Dumbledore will be okay because he's just he hasn't processed anything yet. He runs out of the astronomy tower. He runs into Ginny, who is in the midst of a of a battle with Amicus Caro. McGonagall is there and she is also fighting someone. Um, Harry continues to run. Um, He like petrifies some some Death Eaters on the way, including Fenrir Greyback. Um, he does run into Neville, um, who is petrified on the ground, but is okay. And, and Neville kind of says, yeah, Snape and Draco just ran past and he like out, out the front door. And so Harry runs also out the front door and he sees um, that Hagrid's hut is on fire. Hagrid is trying to stop Death Eaters from escaping. Um, Snape's... Um, seeing kind of an obstacle to his escape, sends Draco running, says, Draco, get out of here. Um, and he turns uh, to Harry, who is confronting him um, and is trying to cast Crucio on him. Snape deflects um, all of Harry's spells extremely easily um, and keeps trying to kind of usher the other Death Eaters away. They get a little bit distracted. They're trying to um, attack Harry, I guess. Um, and they're they're all trying to leave. Um, Harry tries to use Sectumsempra on Snape, and and that kind of is what does it. That's what pisses Snape off. He deflects that. Um, he says, you know, this is why you should have studied Occlumency. I can read your mind. I can see what you're going to cast. You're never going to beat me. Um, also, you better, you shouldn't use your my spells against me. I am the I am the book. I am the half blood prince. Um, Harry calls Snape a coward. Snape gets really mad. Um, he hits Harry with some sort of magic whip spell, um, and then Buckbeak shows up and scares Snape away. Um, Snape escapes. Uh, Harry tells Hagrid about Dumbledore. Hagrid just doesn't believe him. He's like, no way. Like, that's, that's crazy. Um, but as they walk back toward the castle, people are gathering around Dumbledore's body and Hagrid kind of realizes what's happened. Uh, Harry runs to Dumbledore's body, crouches down. Uh, it's very tragic. Um, and while he does this, while he doesn't want to separate from Dumbledore, he does find, um, the locket that they retrieved from the cave has fallen out of his pocket. Um, and he knows, uh, immediately uh, that the locket is not a horcrux. It's not right. It doesn't have the Slytherin emblem on it. And he opens it up, and it has a note. Um, and it is the infamous note from the mysterious R.A.B. Uh, saying, uh, essentially, um, a note to Voldemort saying, I found your horcrux. I figured out your secret. I'm going to uh, destroy your horcrux so that um, someone can kill you. That's the end of the chapter. Yeah, so this is this was a really funny experience doing these two chapters this week because this chapter is like normal chapter length. It's not short. Yeah. It's just that the like the amount of actual content that happens is very thin, I would say. Yeah, I left out a lot of like moment to moment action stuff. Like I would say 90% of this chapter is just like you said, a chase sequence. So Harry does have moment to moment, like dodged a spell and like petrified Death Eater and then petrified another Death Eater and encountered McGonagall fighting and McGonagall traded spells with so-and-so, but nothing. it's all just Harry running outside, right? Yeah, he's he slipped on some blood. 
Oh, it's so messed up. There's a body on the ground. You can't tell who it is. All these Death Eaters. There's an enormous blonde Death Eater there. That is, okay. This is the real secret. This is why I want to talk about this chapter, give this chapter its own its own little segment. Yeah. The enormous blonde Death Eater. We've got, uh-huh. why is he suddenly the most intriguing character in this? The enormous blonde Death Eater is, like, the main antagonist of this chapter. <laughs> I mean, not really. It's Snape, but the enormous blonde Death Eater comes up at least three or four different times, and every time he is described, that is how it is. It's like he's just this this huge, huge Death Eater. This huge, he's huge and he's blonde. He's brutal The enormous faced. blonde Death Eater. He's brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't um, have a name. Doesn't have a name. Yeah, is never named, but he he is he he comes up many many times. We do we we kind of went on a little bit of a Death Eater adventure this week that I'd love yeah. to talk about. Uh, yeah, and I, I I think that this is a good place for it because this, like I said, this chapter ninety percent an action sequence, but it is there's there's so much juicy stuff kind of hanging around it, and I think this chapter, my main takeaway from it is. This this is such an illuminating thing to point to, uh, uh, to describe why the like, the like way the villains are described in this series are so dis- is so disappointing, um, because I actually do think that like as a moment to moment action sequence, this chapter is kind of exciting. Like like this is definitely action mode, right? And like it's it's well paced it's well written i i was definitely kind of like oh yeah the you know things are picking up this is this is a little little intense uh uh uh, after the kind of weird like (laughs) dumbledore death earlier where harry wasn't allowed to do anything Mm -hmm. but it's all kind of in service of nothing because none of the like villains that harry is encountering are characters or even like like stock characters we just have the blonde the enormous blonde death eater which would be like kind of cool if that guy was a character like what if that was bellatrix what if what if there was an enormous blonde death eater who would become like a recurring guy or whatever but that doesn't really happen he's just like fighting nameless obstacles here i know that harry likes to notice people's hair yes um and I don't think there's anything wrong with introducing, like, suddenly in an action sequence, a character that is there to be, like, the beefy, scary guy, right? Yeah. But the fact that he's described as blonde every time is such a bizarre thing to fixate on that it takes me out of it every time. Why is that what Harry is noticing about him? <laughs> he's enormous like really blonde. D- it sounds like a really dumb complaint. But it just, in a sequence where you're introducing a new character to be an obstacle, I feel like you usually have your POV character notice something that is, like, immediately a problem for them, right? The enormous part works, like, wow, this guy is so yoked, he's gonna mess me up. Yeah, but the fact that the, he's always blonde is is very funny. The thing the thing is that makes that funny is that like oh if you introduce like a nameless like villain obstacle who is like super yoked or whatever that that like 
that works if this is like fast and furious right like if if the main character is like you know running on the rooftops and oh no there's a huge guy who's gonna who's like oh here's the here's the mma fighter that's making a cameo in this movie and he's (laughs) here to do some cool moves or whatever and you're like okay hell yeah i get to watch i get to watch uh uh, the rock fight this guy or whatever cool this is neat um but this is a series where everyone fights with little sticks that are magic guns and so Mm -hmm. like the the enormity of this man how this this muscle-bound freak (laughs) that I am being told about here kind of doesn't really register. Cause it's like, yeah, but everybody's got, everybody's got like gun spell. So why does that matter? Harry, yeah. Harry's not like entering the octagon. He's not going to like, <laughs> Harry's not like, Oh no, I've got to, I've got to wrestle this guy. <laughs> right. Like it's not, that's not really consequential. Yeah. And I guess that kind of brings, brings us back to what you were saying kind of at the top of this discussion, which is why are none of the minor Death Eater characters ever ever the same? Like, why do we never get to know who they are? Why right. introduce these randos? Yeah. Or if you are going to introduce randos, why are they not like more flamboyant? You know. And I think like that that's the thing. Like we 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 found a list of Death Eater characters on the Harry Potter lexicon. And yeah, we did. A great artist had done these incredible, like, imaginative portraits of all of them, pulling from absolutely nothing, right? Because all of these are characters, like, we they are characters that we see the name of, and that's it. Um, we, we, we kind of discovered through process of elimination that the enormous blonde Death Eater is named Thorfinn, right? He's got a Lord of the Rings-ass name. Um, yep. But the, and, but like, you know, they took the, they extrapolated on like enormous blonde Death Eater and they kind of like did make him a Fast and Furious minor villain. Like he's wearing a tank top. He's got, he's completely shredded. I think he's got like a puka necklace or something and like (laughs) ridiculous. Right. But it's great because I look at that design and I'm like, wow, that is a character that like if this was a cartoon or if he had been like a recurring thing in the book described this way like i would remember this guy right Mm -hmm. um and and like all all through this illustration gallery there were tons of those like uh the caros were really like well done they were sort of like like squat and like very very like emaciated looking kind of there was i don't remember which one it was but there was a death eater who we only know by name i think it was avery who they just gave like a bright red um uh like bloodborne character uniform right like they're wearing a tricorn <laughs> hat they've got epaulets looks fantastic uh you know obviously none of that is ever brought up in the book or whatever avery is just avery um but, uh, you know, I just, I, when you're writing, I think especially in, like, recurring action sequences, right, where, like, you, you've, you've got a character who has to, like, fight their way through um, a bunch of other characters, it, it just makes things better to, like, create any sort of, like, context for that fight, right? Like, if Harry is just, like, plowing through nameless 
stormtroopers. It's not really that interesting, which is why in Star Wars you have characters like Darth Vader to, like, break up the monotony of... Like, if it was just stormtroopers in Star Wars, that would be boring, right? Like... Like, that doesn't, yeah. um... Or, or, like, I mean, even someone like Thorfinn could be, like, the Captain Phasma of this scene, right? Like, standing in front of the door doing, I don't know, butterfly knife tricks or something. <laughs> right, yeah. And it's um, like, oh, I gotta get past this enormous Bond Death Eater before I can get to my goal. Exactly. Um, which is why I wish so much that, like... Because I was thinking, you know, who are the Death Eaters that we know... That in the book version, um, you know, if we're, if we're not allowed to like like rely on you know fan artists for this, like who are the characters that I would want to see in these scenes? And I like, I think that this should have been a chase between Harry and Bellatrix, right? Like, why yeah. why is Bellatrix not here in this scene to give it some sort of like person like you know beyond. Dumbledore dying to give it like some like extra personal zing for uh for Harry here. Why are there Death Eaters here at all? I know it's <laughs> I, I'm just I'm, I'm really messing myself up here because I know it's because it is like this it's it feels like it's been reverse engineered. Like there had to have been a mystery about what Draco was up to this whole time yeah but the get the death eaters in the get the like vanishing cabinet death eaters in the castle is pretty much completely immaterial and has nothing to do with snape killing dumbledore on the tower because them being there or not there doesn't affect anything right right i i think they don't have a they don't have a part in what happened it is, They're just I, also there. It is a really convoluted ending to the very good setup we got for the um the unbreakable vow, right? The 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 thing is is that okay, I'm I'm trying to I I'm entering my mind palace here and I'm trying to like piece this out bullet point by bullet point. Mm-hmm. To get back at Lucius for failing him. Voldemort yeah. has tasked Draco with killing Dumbledore, a task that he assumes is impossible. Uh, and we'll get He's given Draco. him a suicide mission. Yeah, he's given Draco a suicide mission. Narcissa, realizing this, goes to Snape, who she thinks is on Voldemort's side, and says, you've got to protect my boy. I know this is a suicide mission. Snape says, okay, I'll do it, because Bellatrix is very suspicious, and they make an unbreakable vow. So if then the, Snape can't not... Can't, Snape can't just kill Dumbledore, because then Voldemort will know that Snape knows that this is a suicide mission, I guess... And we'll get mad at him or Draco, maybe. I don't know. Um, gee, this is all drama that sure would have been good to have in this book, right? At all. Um, so, so Draco's plan was one, uh -huh. I'm going to send Mead 
to to Dumbledore that's poisoned. And that didn't yeah. work. He said, okay, nope. I'm going to send a necklace to Dumbledore. Did not work. But also remember that the vanishing cabinet thing was also his backup plan this entire time because he was getting the vanishing cabinet and Borgen and Burks at the beginning of this book. But, so he was also yeah, just, okay. this was like so his was, craft project also. <laughs> so, okay. So he also, he, he went into this knowing he would need like three plans. Yes. And then his plan then was, I am going to get a bunch of Death Eaters into the castle to kill Voldemort. Or it's kill Voldemort. To kill Dumbledore. Um, yeah, but that's explicitly not what his t- his task is yeah. to kill Dumbledore without help, right? Yes. Yeah. So his plan is I need to kill Dumbledore. Uh-huh. Like he he has been tasked with ki- So, yeah, this is where I'm stuck is like okay, and and getting the vanishing cabinet fixed to invade the castle with death eaters, including some that you don't want to come to Hogwarts, like Fenrir Greyback, who is too psycho even for Draco. Um, but he also needs death eaters to, oh God, I'm, my, I'm, I'm feeling okay. my brain fall apart here. He needs, he needs other death eaters there because, because, <laughs> he such, needs such he no, knows such that Harry, helpful death he knows that, that we Harry know Dumbledore are going to be in the cave and he's like what if when they come back from the cave there's a dark mark so I'll get Madame Rosmerda to point out to them look there's a dark mark and I will send one of my boys from the cabinet to do the I can't I guess I can't do the dark mark for some reason but he was there waiting so one of the boys from the cabinet ran up to the astronomy tower cast the dark mark and then left again but then yes. to come back and then draco came, they probably all were like okay draco now's your time to run up the stairs and kill dumbledore and then he didn't do it fast enough and they were like okay we're gonna come and egg you on yeah I'm- i guess that's really the the heart of my question here is that did draco do this plan with the vanishing cabinet independently from his killing Dumbledore plan just to have like hype men there with him. <laughs> like, is that, what, was that of, the point? It kind of seems like that might be the point. I had honestly, like, like earnestly, I, I've written, you know, I did my reading. I read, I read the chapters twice. And uh-huh. I took my notes. I never thought about this. And I am now, I am now, everything is falling apart. Everything's tumbling down for me right now. Because none of the Death Eaters had any other goal while they were there. It wasn't like, this is a diversion. That's the only thing I can think of, is that this is a diversion. But Draco, it was nighttime, and nobody... I don't think that the Vanishing Cabinet did anything. Other than get Bill fucked up. By Fenrir, who Draco didn't want to show up in the first place. <laughs> and also, if this was a suicide mission that Voldemort was setting up, did Draco propose to Voldemort this entire time, I'm going to set up a vanishing cabinet to sneak people into the school, and then wouldn't that go against Voldemort's instructions to begin with? <laughs> yeah, how did, how did, did, did Draco have to, like, pitch this via PowerPoint? Like, did, did he, did, 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 
did Draco have to be like, okay, Voldemort, here's my idea. This is my idea that will make me even more popular with you than Snape, who I now hate for some reason. Um, I am going to fix this cabinet and we are going to bring a bunch of rowdy boys in and we are going to kill Dumbledore. And like, did, did Voldemort... Is is this a thing where Voldemort's like, well, if he does kill uh, Dumbledore, that's great. And if he doesn't, I stick it to Lucius. So it's a win-win for me. That I think that's the only way this works, right? Is if is if Voldemort did not expect this to work, but was like, hey, hey, if he kills Dumbledore, sure, why not? I mean, is this like a compromise where, where, where Draco came to Voldemort and was like, okay, here's my plan. And he had his PowerPoint presentation and Voldemort says, sounds great, but here's... Here's the catch. I'm sending my worst guys. I'm, <laughs> I'm sending, sending my I'm sending my dumbest guys that nobody's <laughs> ever heard of. I'm sending yeah, I'm sending a I'm sending the Caros who you've never heard of. I'm sending Fenrir who's going to make this a security nightmare. Like like I'm sending I'm sending the like on on your stealth mission. I'm sending the uh the the child murderer werewolf guy. Um Yeah. Are you cool with that? And Draco couldn't say no, obviously. Uh, you can't, like, when you're assigned a group project, you can't say, no, I don't want to work with these people as much as you might want to. I, I just really, like, when I think about the stuff that happened to kill Dumbledore, Draco, imperious Madame Rosmerda, knew that Dumbledore was away from the castle and so lured him to the astronomy tower so that he could use the killing curse on him when he showed up nothing about that plan relates to the vanishing cabinet. Yeah. That, that plan, that plan works completely independently of the cabinet. And I think, I think the weirdest part is it, it, it feels, unless I am missing something really important, it feels like the vanishing cabinet thing is an excuse for there to be an action sequence where the order fights the death eaters in the castle, which <laughs> makes sense, except that, entire fight happens off screen while harry potter is stuck in a corner with the invisibility cloak on petrified can't move and he can just hear it happening below him it just i i think that the vanishing cabinet plan worked against draco's plan yes entirely yeah it's 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 a good ex- and and I think it was one of those things where it would have been a great excuse and like one of those things where I would say, eh, it's best to not think about it too hard if it had been used to like spice the story up by bringing in like Bellatrix or some other, like, you know, Karkaroff, some other Death Eater that we know, a returning face to be like, oh shit, Harry has to face off against this character again. What will he do? Draco's um, instead, mom, who will do anything to protect her son. Like, yeah, anything. Yeah, there you go. That's a good one. Bellatrix, who is there because she is suspicious of Snape. Uh, and has been from the beginning. And Snape kind of has to kill two birds with one stone here by not only following Dumbledore's order to maintain his cover, but also gets to flex for Bellatrix and say, like, look, I killed Dumbledore. I'm on your side. There are a lot of ways to make to make to make the vanishing cabinet thing fade into the background in such a way where I'm like it doesn't really matter but like you're right I'm thinking about this more and more and it's all unraveling I'm like why why did Draco fix the the vanishing cabinet why does that matter 
Yeah, I mean, really, if you strip his plan down, it's like he tried tried cursed amulet, didn't work. Tried poisoned meat, didn't work. Okay, I'm going to do gun spell. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is, it is it is a very weird plan. I don't I I've got to I I'm like now so curious. I'm going to have to like look up maybe I'll like go on Leaky Cauldron and see if there's any like essays about like what what was the deal with the cabinet? Why the cabinet? Because none of that Matt, like 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 Draco would have like executed a genius checkmate move without the vanishing cabinet here if he had just you know used rosmerta to know that uh dumbledore was going to be flying back to the castle put the dark mark up and then shot him right like boom there you go Mm -hmm. uh but instead we had he him bringing other death eaters in only happened so he could get cold feet in front of other death eaters really yeah, but it's I'm not like, like we know any of those characters anyway. Right. Exactly. We don't yeah, care. So, yeah, we yeah, so it it just it 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 doesn't it doesn't uh uh it doesn't really work as well as it should there. Also, the death eater in this scene that is brought in by the cabinet that is the most well established of any of them is Fenrir Greyback, who gets knocked out by Harry so easily. No issue, not an <laughs> obstacle. It is literally like Harry runs past and casts a Petrificus Totalis, and he just gets knocked out. Well, isn't it? Isn't it even weirder? Isn't it like he gets he gets uh, he gets Warwick ulted, and then Ginny like knocks it, Ginny knocks him off of him. Isn't oh, I it guess like, so. Yeah, yeah. It, it's like so. It's not even Harry, and like Harry doesn't even get to fight the the Death Eater who we know the most Ginny, like he, he gets, he gets almost killed by him and then Ginny gets, gets to do it. And then Harry just runs off and is like, thanks, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) (sighs) It's, it's like I said, like, like I think that like the core, like action part of this chapter, like moment to moment is like probably one of the better action sequences that has been in this series. But the stakes are more muddled than ever, I think. Because um, I don't really understand what any of these characters are here for. I don't understand, it's like, I understand in the broad sense what Snape's plan is, right? Because I know that he is, like, the secret ultimate double agent good guy. But I don't understand, like, in this moment what his role is in this, like, extraction plan, like they're running, they're running for the chopper at the end here. When Harry and like this is the main <laughs> thing I want to talk about in this in this chapter is they're running out on the out to the grounds. Harry is caught up with him. They're they're get they're running to the chopper. They're they've almost made it to the extraction zone, and then Harry and Snape have a little fight where where Snape kicks his ass. Um, yeah, but I I don't quite get. Or, like, I, I'm a little fuzzy on, like, what is Snape's cover here? Like, like, what is... Like, he he is just... He has just killed Dumbledore, which is, like, the biggest prize for any Death Eater, I guess. And then, obviously, the next logical thing would be, let's bring Harry Potter in as well. Two birds, one stone, once again. 
but he's like no we we leave the boy question mark because of I don't really know. Like, he doesn't really have a good cover excuse for that one. Like, he's like, I love that nobody asks him because all the other death dudes are like, let's kill him. And so Snape is like, no, Voldemort will be mad. He wants to kill him himself. Okay. But there's never that part where they're like, okay, well, let's grab him. He's yeah, right the, here. Exactly. Yeah. There's the, so, so, so in this moment where, where like Snape's, I, I don't know, like, like Snape is in, in, the highest danger possible for his cover being blown. He just comes up with the weirdest thing, which is like, well, well, Voldemort wants to kill him. And then no one goes like, well, well, okay. So let's, let's take him. Let's take him to the chopper with us. But they don't really do that. I I guess no one's really that interested in, in Harry here. That's what happens when Voldemort sends his worst guys. <laughs> you should have sent your best. Bellatrix would have absolutely been. Well, see, you get Bellatrix in there and then look i i don't want to have to like write rewrite this entirely for jk rowling obviously Uh she's the billionaire not me but why would you pass up the opportunity to go for like the 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 like baddest ass most twisted thing that happens in any spy or action movie where like that is the premise where like oh there's someone who the bad guy wants to kill but he wants to do it right but he sent his <laughs> lackeys to to collect them and uh-huh. in every single one of those movies or books or any like till this is this probably comes up in the iliad i i don't know i don't remember but one of them will say like oh but we can you know we we can still mess him up a little bit right like <laughs> Right? Am I wrong? Uh-huh. Like you're just like, oh, like like oh, Voldemort can still kill him, but I'm gonna cut his fucking legs off, whoa, or something. I'm gonna slice <laughs> him up real good with my knife, whoa. Like why not? You can have Bellatrix there to do that. Like Harry, all like Harry, like gets crucioed for like point one seconds here before Snape is like, knock it off, boys. We gotta we gotta go. Like <laughs> the clock's ticking. So we, we find out later on that uh, Fenrir fucked up Bill Weasley and has made him, like, not a full werewolf, but, like, wolfy, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I say take that out. Don't even have Bill be here. <laughs> let let Harry be, like, a, a wolfy deviantart OC in book seven. Oh, shit. Yeah, there you go. If, okay, if, if, the, if, the, if the known Death Eater here has to be Greyback... Uh, and and Snape needs to like this is perfect. Yeah, no, you're 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 goofing, but you're also 100% correct here. That's the way to play this. Is Harry is chasing Snape. Fenrir is the other Death Eater there and catches him off guard and like mauls Harry a bit. And and Snape is like, "All right, you big lunk, you're going to kill Harry. We've got to get back to the Dark Lord because he'll be pissed if you kill Harry." And he's like, oh, but I, I'm going to I'm going to munch him a little bit. He could, st- you know, whatever. And then and then that that is why Snape is so adamant about like, no, leave him alone, because he knows that that Fenrir can't be trusted to just do that. Right. And Fenrir, mm-hmm. Fenrir knows that he's got to he's got to like, you know, stay mostly in line for, for Voldemort. That's perfect. That's how you get all of those things in a row. What? <laughs> Yeah, and Instead, then Harry can be like a cool half werewolf. All yeah. the parts of being cool and none of the curse part. Fuck for book yeah. Seven. 
Hell yeah, there you go. Deathly Hallows becomes Harry being a werewolf some of the time. That's, Harry could that's... have cool, like, witcher eyes in book seven. Fuck yes, that's an ending. God damn. <laughs> <sighs> oh, I do, I do at least, I will say, I, I do appreciate this, like, probably the last moment of Vampy Snape will ever get. Yeah, he's like, good. He's he's very good here. His ridiculous like his his oh you 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 know uh uh his his monologuing to Harry about how bad he is at Occlumency. Great stuff. Moi. Chef's Which kiss. is also just a, such a good clue that he's not a bad guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, do you want, can, can you walk me through like how obvious it is that he is still a good guy here? Yeah, I mean, so Harry like shows up and starts trying to crucio him, which I guess Snape parries, which I would like to submit as a new way that magic works all of a sudden. Yeah, oh, that's um, another thing. Is there the two new ways that magic works in this chapter. One, you can parry it, I guess, which is pretty cool. And then two, uh, I guess when a spell is fired or, or, or used, but the caster dies, the spell stops. Yeah, those, that's all new information that's been introduced. The other one is um, the Killing Curse, which I think we've had one other time has been dodgeable, although I don't remember if that's like a movie or a... Mm -hmm. Like, is that just the movie? But it is at least textual now in this chapter that you can jump out of the way of the Killing Curse. It may be unblockable and uncounterable, but if you just take cover <laughs> fast enough, you'll you'll be fine. If you just sidestep it. If you lock on to your opponent and, and strafe to the left and do a little roll, you will avoid the Killing Curse. So, so Harry's trying to Crucio Snape, and Snape is, like, scolding him, says, like, no unforgivable curses from you. Um... Harry's like yelling at him and stuff. He's parrying everything. And he says to Harry, like, you need to study Occlumency. I can read your mind and I know what spells you're going to cast. So you should really study up. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good guy. He's it's so guy. obvious. Yeah. It was like that coupled with just his weird, like, oh, no, we're not, we're not going to kidnap Harry here thing is, is very obvious. And like, it, I, I, to be to be fair, I, I don't mean that as a criticism. Like, it's obvious in a good way, right? Like, it's it's mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it's funny that we're not not funny, but it, like it, it's 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 fun to read Harry being like, oh, I'm so fucking pissed. I uh, like, oh, he's so he's so evil. I hate him so much. Every all of my worst fears have been confirmed. Knowing, how, like, all the like clues, all all the like hand tipping that Snape is doing, right? Yeah, and I think that the Harry stuff with Snape is probably always been my favorite unreliable narrator stuff, which I think a lot of people get really thrown off by because everything else in this book from Harry's perspective is pretty much presented just as this is how it is. Yeah. Um, and I guess this is just a read of it. Maybe Snape's face really is suffused with hatred, right? Mm -hmm. But Harry immediately, like, seeing the worst in Snape is probably just always my favorite unreliable narrator Harry stuff, because yeah. that's probably not the whole story. Yeah, I mean, like, the, the Occlumency lessons, I think, have still been the best example of that, right? Is, mm -hmm. is the way that Harry 
or you know or, or the, like harry's internal monologue describes the way snape is talking to him in those scenes versus what snape is actually saying which is like maybe curt but completely reasonable right uh is uh is always funny do you remember the scene? I think it's at the very beginning of this book where Snape is leading Harry up to the castle and Snape is just like saying the stupidest, like childish insults about yes. Tonks. And Harry thinks in his head, wow, this is the worst, meanest man who has ever lived. Like just completely <laughs> disproportionate for what's going on. Yeah, like Snape is just being like kind of a messy bitch. And Harry yeah. is just like, this man, this man is the worst person ever in the history of the world. <laughs> like, yeah, like, like he is like, like I, I would say that like, you know, in that scene, especially the worst level Snape rises to is like Simon Cowell. Right. Like, like just mm-hmm. like, just like, uh, 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 mean as an affectation, uh, mm-hmm. uh, rather than like earnestly, just like cruel or whatever. Um, uh, yeah, I've, I've always found that stuff really, really entertaining and charming. Like the, that's been like the highlight of this reread. I think it's just like realizing like, oh, like the Snape Harry dynamic is actually like, it's really rich for interpretation. I think in a way that a lot of other mm-hmm. character stuff is not in this series. Yeah, uh, what do you think of the the big reveal, the big book reveal? Um. This is Harry's arc, right? Yeah, the book is... So he thinks the book is his dad, and then he finds out that if the book is his dad, that means Snape is his dad. Uh-huh. Um, and I... <laughs> I actually don't know if I have, like, a solid opinion on that yet. Like, even even a few <laughs> days after reading this, I'm just like, ah! Like, like it's... It is a necessary reveal, right? In the in in the sense that, like, that is the title of the book. That has been a recurring image in the book. Is is you know is the 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 book and the Half Blood Prince. Um, it is very weird that Snape is just like, like, yes, it was me. I was that. <laughs> While yes, that's my old school book. Yeah, like that's my yeah. Th- those are the dumb notes I wrote in my book when I was a teenager. While presumably, like within ears, I think this is the part of the scene that I, I I'm I've been so confused by. Is it like Snape is well with? I'm assuming well within earshot of those other Death Eaters, and like Hagrid in this scene, right? Am, am I missing a, a, a detail where like this was a private conversation like that? I think that is the part that is so strange to me about that reveal is it's like Snape gives Harry this very personal reveal in a scene in a, in a scene where like, what if Kara was just like, what are you talking about? What book? Like, like wait, <laughs> you're, you're what? You're the half-blood what? Like, hello? What? Excuse me? I, I think it's written in a really confusing way, but if I remember right, I guess it sounds like he sent the other Death Eaters away and then turned to fight Harry. Okay, so they've already disapparated at this point. And then also maybe like Hagrid's hut is right there on fire, which I guess is loud. I I don't know. Hagrid's busy with the with rescuing Fang. I guess like it is. It is just such a it is such a weird moment to have this like very personal tete a tete with Harry. You know. 
other than the fact that it this is like the place where the reveal wants to be made. It feels like such a bizarre reveal in that it's kind of stupid because it's just like you said, like, yes, that was my school book. Those are my stupid notes. Um, And that it's weird to me that that didn't get revealed earlier when Snape and Harry had that confrontation about the sectum sempra. Yeah, like, I, I think, actually think that would have been work like that would have worked better because Harry would have gone through the betrayal of the book, feeling bad about the book, feeling conflicted, and then having Snape kill Dumbledore and 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 right. being betrayed then by the man himself. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that a lot, actually. And that would that would still leave room for the like you still get the badass line that like, how dare you use my own spells against me thing. Right. Like Mm -hmm. you still, you can still have that in there. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's like, it's such a minor thing that I barely noticed it. And I think that's kind of the problem is that it, it, the, where this is in this scene, or it's also sandwiched between some other big reveals um, cause we get the, we get the, like the RAB thing directly after this. Is it, it, it I, I'm sort of left wondering like, why there? Like why, why, if you're going to wait until this point in the story to reveal it, why not save it for the next book? I just, I think that the fact that like the book and finding school notes and having this conflict with Ron and Hermione about Harry suddenly being good at potions and then feeling like he's cheating and then the book having a dangerous spell in it that he uses against a bully, that feels like the school scale problem that exists in the book. And I just, I know it isn't this huge climactic reveal, but I just think I would have preferred it ahead of time because it would have taught like tied up Harry's school conflict stuff with a bow would have made him see Snape in a new light as his teacher, as this person that he's always known. Yeah. And then to have this other reveal where he sees Snape in a new light, as far as the quote unquote war story goes. Yeah. No, I think, I think you, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said he could, he could go through two betrayals, right? On like uh-huh. both scales, I think that you know, just like just like that great level from the first Halo, two betrayals. He could he could uh, <laughs> <laughs> he could experience that that two times, both at the like the kind of like more personal like like uh, uh, schoolboy level story, and then later on again in like this like uh, oh world ending dual situation right like like that's that would be cool to have him have that burn twice um yeah i i I can i definitely am sympathetic to how tempting and obviously it is the way it happened but to put this reveal here in this extremely dramatic moment but sometimes you just have to um have some restraint in your writing i think yeah i i the him saying the name of the title of the book right is it like there's no denying that it's like a cool moment but it's maybe mm-hmm. one of those it, that's this is like a kill your darlings thing of like i love that but i feel like there was probably a better place to put that a very funny thing to to reveal as this was my high school nickname <laughs> in this really yeah. tense moment after he just murdered someone yeah uh, let's talk about, like, the most important part of this, this first chapter, which is R.A.B. 
R.I.B. Uh, who could that be? Who could How that many be? R.I.B.s do we know? It's Sirius's really... brother, Regulus Harry. Ronald Beasley? Ronald Beasley. I'm... I'm... It's Ronald Arthur Beasley. <laughs> I can't believe like, this. So obsessed. When, when I knew we were getting to the R.A.B. reveal, I was uh-huh. like... I'm 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 getting in my re- research trenches. I am going to the Wayback Machine. I want to know what everyone in, you know, 2005 thought RAB was. Like, was it as obvious then as it is now? Um, and it turns out, yes, 100%. Most people just zeroed in on like, well, it's got to be Regulus Black. Um, especially because I did not realize this. At some point before Book 7 came out, the... I, I don't know if this was like through like one of those like charity writing things or um, through an interview. Uh, uh, J.K. Rowling did apparently let slip that Arcturus was Regulus's middle name. Like oh, oops. Like, yeah, whoopsie daisy. Um, so I guess I that mean, information was- we did go through the lexicon and found that there are not very many characters in the Harry Potter extended universe even that have the initials R anything B. Like yeah. first and last name. Like that's such a that's such a bummer because I love dumb mystery bullshit like that. Like that is that is candy to me. If you mm-hmm. if you like present a mystery where like there is a clue where like ninety percent of the cast of the story could be stretched to fit that clue. Mm, moi, I love that so much, right? Like, like Twin Peaks is amazing for that. Um, you know, there's the there's the stupid Mister Who Shot Mister Burns two parter <laughs> of The Simpsons uh-huh. where they like really go hard on 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 that that possibility. We're like, oh, every single character has a motivation and and matches uh, the the initials and whatnot. I love that shit. Um, uh, and RAB was a really good opportunity to do something like that if you had had uh, multiple characters, any other characters with the initials RAB, you know? But it's weird to place that there with nothing. Like, there's... N- the, w- w- <laughs> this is jumping ahead a little bit, but the only characters that we could find on the lexicon that have the initials RAB are characters who, in the final chapter of this book, Hermione discovers through library research, have the initials R.A.B., and they're, like, made-up funny joke names. Right. Um, I think that this was so such a solvable mystery when this book came out. Um, obviously, you did some Wayback Machine research, but I distinctly remember in fan fiction when people wrote like book sevens or or wrote with Half-Blood Prince being canon it was almost just taken as canon that it was Regulus Black like that that was just how everyone wrote their stories after this yeah that makes I mean it makes between the initial thing and then also Creature having dealt with a locket and Creature belonging to the Black family I mean come on and Lupin's yeah Sirius, his brother Regulus thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's, like, those are the two clues that do exist, which is the, in book five, the locket is mentioned a couple times in creatures, like, little, little hidey hole, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, and then, then Lupin saying, Sirius's brother, Regulus, 
uh, <laughs> at the beginning at the beginning of this book. It's just yeah. a little too pat, um, which is a bummer because, like I said, like that that this is this is my shit. I I love a good like it could be anyone mystery. Um, do you want to hear my galaxy brain one that I was like, I honestly like I thought of it and I was so sure. Oh, someone else had to have thought of this in uh in 2005 like i wanted to find posts based on this and i could not right rita a beetle oh shit (laughs) like it's fucking stupid it doesn't make any sense but like hey there's rita she's a beetle and like the 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 like image is green or whatever like the you know the the motif is green for this potion i'm like hmm it's it's the emerald potion. She loves to wear green. I don't know. Maybe she's got green immunity, green juice immunity, <laughs> or a beetle can just because oh, because Dumbledore does say that uh, Voldemort only planned for wizards and he underestimates creatures. So a beetle could fly in there. Oh, a beetle! A beetle could go in that boat one hundred percent. Yeah, a beetle could go in that boat and, and 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 buzz over there and then and then you know drag the locket out. I could see it. I could see it. Uh, the thing that the thing that you're not considering is that J.K. Rowling would never have a character uh, that is known um, or people care about at all um, do anything with any consequences. <laughs> J.K. Rowling would also not portray a uh, a, um, a a writer character, a, a tabloid journalist, as anything other than the scum of the earth. Absolutely. She would never do anything heroic. <sighs> so that's that. That that is that is our first chapter. That is Flight I will of say, the Prince. I will say the part where Harry is like leaning over Dumbledore's body and can't believe it and doesn't want to let go and Hagrid is sad, it is slightly affecting. But yeah, no, like I, I say think... about a lot of stuff in this book is it's just abstractly upsetting, right? I'm upset <laughs> about the idea of someone dying and their yeah. friends and loved ones being sad. Yeah, I, I think I think the the recurring um, motif of Harry like not believing it possible that Vol- that Dumbledore could be dead is really good. There's like there's just like a lot of good lines about th- that thing that you mentioned in your summary about how like oh um, I gotta get Snape and Dumbledore together it's all a ruse and it, this will all be fixed like I like that moment a lot um, mm-hmm. and and this also this part with him having to then in the process of convincing Hagrid that it really happened he is also kind of convincing himself that this is reality right like like he is talking to himself in that moment as well as Hagrid, um, which I think is a great, a great little scene. I, I think uh, between this and Cedric, I, I have, I have to give credit where credit is due. And that I think JK Rowling writes the shock of a violent death very well. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that that, I think that that tracks the Cedric Cedric is a really good, good moment as well. Um, but uh, speaking Not that it's that of, hard. <laughs> Well, like you say, like, like it, it is, it is, it is, it's the fault in our stars thing. Like, yeah, damn, it is really sad when someone has cancer, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess it's, it's just not that easy to, or it's not that hard to write the, the, like a sad death, right? But that's okay. 
Well, we've got a lot of other stuff to cover now because now we are in the Phoenix's Lament where a, um, you know, not, not to editorialize right before you give your real summary, but this is every other character walking in and saying all the cool shit that was happening that we didn't get to see. Yeah, so I'm going to do a little disclaimer at the top of this. I'm sure there's are, there are details that I've missed. I'm sure I'm going to leave, like, everything is delivered in dialogue. I just... I can't track every single moving part that is relayed to us here. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do my best. I'm going to do my best. Um, going back right into it. Um, Hagrid is, is pulling Harry off of Dumbledore's body and Hagrid, ha- Harry's having a tough time listening until, um, until Ginny shows up to kind of pull him away and says, we're going to the hospital wing. Everyone's there. McGonagall, Lupin, um, so- someone is hurt. And, and Harry in that moment, remembers like, oh shit, Draco said someone died in the fight. Um, and, and Harry immediately asks her and she says, oh, it's Bill. He's not dead. He's going to be okay, but he's pretty messed up. Um, oh, and she also tells us that the only person that died was a Death Eater who got hit by a killing curse from another Death Eater that someone dodged out of the way of. Um, and Ginny also says, you know, she think, um, she's like, it was horrible. I think me, Hermione... Wrong. Like the DA, we probably all would have died if we hadn't taken that luck potion you gave us. Um, they get to the hospital wing. It's true, everyone's there. McGonagall, Lupin, Tonks, um, and Bill is there, and he he got fucked up by Fenrir Greyback. His face is messed up, and um, and Pomfrey uh, can't can't just heal it because they're cursed werewolf wounds. Um, and we also find out, like I said before, um, that they don't really know what's going to happen. Um, because he was not bit by a werewolf who was transformed, but they are cursed, and so he'll probably be just a little bit wolfy from now on. Um, but it's a pretty, like, unprecedented thing. Harry has to tell everyone that Dumbledore is dead. And that's sad. Um, McGonagall is sad. Um, she, like, blames herself. They're all in disbelief. They're like, oh, we, we, we believe Dumbledore. He always said that he had an ironclad reason to, to trust Snape, um... Uh, and we just we just had to believe him, um, but it but in retrospect, like it doesn't make sense. Like why why would Snape be on our side? And clearly he wasn't this entire time. Um, Harry then explains like how the battle happened, which is that um, Draco was repairing a vanishing cabinet in the Room of Requirement this entire time, and that's how the Death Eaters got in. Um, and and Ron and Hermione look pretty guilty for not listening to Harry about Draco before. Um, and this is when. Harry or Ron and Hermione explained that they were looking, they were there, um, keeping watch outside of the room of requirement. And Draco came out with the hand of glory lighting his way, but used the darkness powder from the Weasley wizard wheezes to like get away. Um, and then we get to hear a little bit about the battle that happened. Snape was alerted by Flitwick, uh, that death eaters were in, um, Snape knocked Flitwick out in his office, uh, and then told Hermione to go tend to Flitwick while Snape ran up to the astronomy tower. Um, there was just mass confusion. Uh, there was a battle. They all thought Snape was on their side, so they all let him through. They kind of deal with their various guilty feelings about that um, during all of this. Um, there was also a force field Um on the way up to the astronomy tower. That's why no one else could go up there. Uh, but Snape ran right through there's some speculation that it must be because it must have been a force field that only lets people with the dark mark through. Um, Molly and Arthur show up at this point. 
um, to see Bill, and he's not looking so hot. Um, Fleur is also there, and Molly sort of implies that Fleur is going to leave Bill uh, because he's, like, ugly now or whatever, um, and Fleur gets really offended, and then they fight, and um, and then Molly decides that because Fleur is going to stay with him, because even though he's all messed up, um, that she likes her now, um, and Fleur's a little chilly toward her, but then, you know, they just start happy crying and hugging, and they love each other now. Women and it's a be <laughs> shopping. Women be shopping is what Harry says to that. Um, and then at that moment, Tonks is like, see, Lupin, Fleur doesn't care that Bill is sort of a werewolf, and neither do I. And then Harry is like, oh, the light comes on. You weren't in love with your cousin. You were in love with Lupin the whole time. That's why you were so depressed. And uh, and then Lupin's like, now is not the time. Dumbledore is dead. And McGonagall says, no, Dumbledore would want you to kiss. Um, that moment ends. Um... Hagrid shows up and says that Dumbledore's body has been moved. Harry follows McGonagall up to her new office. She's the principal now. Uh, Dumbledore, Dumbledore's portrait is up already. That's a very painful moment. All the teachers show up. They talk about how Dumbledore wants to be would want to be buried at Hogwarts um, and how he would want the school to remain open, but it's tough. Someone's just been murdered at the school, so the governors are going to have to vote to see if the school is going to shut down. Uh, the Minister of Magic is on his way. He shows up. Harry says, I don't want to see that jerk. And McGonagall says, well, you better go then and fast. Uh, Harry leaves. Harry goes up to the dorm. Ron's still awake. Harry shows him the locket. Um, and also the sad song that the Phoenix has been singing throughout the entire chapter ends. And Harry knows somehow that the Phoenix is gone forever. That's the chapter. I am, like, vibrating with excitement <laughs> to talk about this chapter. It's so, like, after the last one, which is like, it's it's all right. It's, like, a decent action sequence. Uh, the, the Death Eater stuff is kind of weird. This, this is maybe, the more I think about it, the most insane chapter that there has ever been in the series. Can we take a little, an inventory of other insane chapters? Because we've read a lot of the series by now. Yeah. Um so I I'm thinking of like like just like like top top insane Harry Potter moments. Uh <laughs> number 1 for me is probably um Hagrid taking kids into the woods for detention to sure. to shoot to watch him shoot an animal. Um <laughs> yeah. Two. Uh um everyone getting insanely horny for the firebolt. Um, oh yeah. That was weird. Um uh Fudge and McGonagall and and Rosmerta having a very loud conversation in a crowded bar about like government secrets. Uh, uh like w- with the president, just like chilling in 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 this bar um um talking about very important wizard crime investigation stuff i think that's pretty absolutely yeah i like that one a lot the scene in chamber of secrets where um every important character bumbles into hagrid's hut while harry is (laughs) under the invisibility cloak to uh to like (laughs) just so they can all talk about the climax of the story happening uh while harry's there yeah I think this is number one for me because it kind of combines all of them 
um, all of the things that, that like make, make those chapters funny to me because this, this is an exposition clusterfuck chapter. Um, but it is also one where, um, not only is it like, oh, here, here are like too many characters in one scene here to like say and react to something. It also has, um, the fallout of the death of maybe the most famous character in the series being relayed <laughs> to characters in waves. So they're not like all mourning about it at once. It's like new characters walk in and get sad about it as the scene <laughs> continues, which is insanely funny to me. Um, two, you have um, the uh, 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 completely bizarre, uh, like romantic subplots suddenly all happening like like two romantic subplots that have not really been part of the story resolving at once because the other one resolved in front of them that one is really <laughs> funny to me um and then also you have uh characters like similar to I, I mean, this is not a chapter that i think was an insane moment when it happened but I think that it, it, it being combined with all the other stuff happening again here uh, uh, turns it into a very funny, insane moment is um, we get the like Hagrid explaining the cool adventure he had that we didn't get to read as it happened thing uh -huh. happen here. But it is all of the um, uh, 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 other characters telling Harry about the awesome fight that happened while he was stuck and couldn't do anything. Um, and also there's a force field, uh, like, like, like that, like, bravo. Like there's so much here that would be like funny on its own that like <laughs> in rapid fire in this chapter completely destroyed me. Why? Is there not a chapter between the cave chapter and and the flight of the prince chapter where we just see these characters do the action scene before Harry arrives? Yeah, I think that that is the is just the biggest question I have about all of this. And the thing that makes it so weird is that this is the book that started with us both going like, wow. Finally, J.K. Rowling has loosened up a little bit and is allowing new POVs to enter the story. Like, we get the scene where um, the uh, Minister of Magic explains to the Prime Minister that Dementors uh, uh, uh the fog as they're come. That's a great mm -hmm. scene. Yep. And we get the scene where uh, uh, Snape uh, orders Peter, or he orders Peter Pettigrew to pour him elf wine, and we still don't know yeah. what that means. Does that mean does that mean that elves like Lord of the Rings elves made the wine? Does that mean that house elves made the wine? I would love to know. I'm so curious about this. Maybe I will text that at JK Rowling at some point. However, do you think do you think that the enormous blonde death eater named Thorfinn could be an elf? Oh, maybe perhaps shit. an elf winemaker on the side. Maybe he mm. maybe he makes wine that's like his hobby and he gave Snape a bottle of wine as like a gift at some point since yeah. they're co-workers. Yeah, well, because, because you know, enormous, that could just mean tall. Maybe this is a fantasy series where elves are, like, a foot or so taller than humans. Maybe. Right. Uh -huh. And Thorfinn is just an elf, Death Eater. 
Oh, mm, I love that. I love that. That's new lore. That's new canon for me. That's right. <laughs> Thorfinn, Thorfinn is is Lee Pace. He's like nine feet tall. He's like he's Lee Pace from The Hobbit, and he's made some beautiful wine for Snape to have to 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 kick off this uh, Dumbledore killing adventure. I mean, it makes sense because Voldemort has gone around to like giants and dementors and right. werewolves and have like been recruiting like other people and like elves elves are racist. Yeah. So it makes yeah, sense. Like, he probably just yeah. went and recruited some elves. Yeah, if we're going like classic fantasy, elves are just like, oh, you humans, haha, right? Like like yeah, that makes sense. Maybe maybe, maybe Voldemort the- went to Thorfinn and was like, you know, I know you hate humans, um, but what's worse uh, than a than a wizard is a muggle, and Thorfinn's right. like, you got me there. They're lower than dirt. We could team up. We could, you know, we, we could maybe maybe uh, 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 you know get a little bit of some of that wine that I've heard so much about. And Thorfinn's like, huh, well, don't press your luck, but maybe, yeah, maybe you can have some wine. <laughs> <laughs> oh i love that so much okay that's okay there we go i'm putting the rubber stamp on it that's new lore thorfinn is an elf elf wine is real um but yeah this 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 thing where they just describe the app like like they they just walk harry through it's like listening to someone tell you about a game of PUBG they just played like, like they're really into it because they did it, right? And I'm just like, okay, tell me the important part. Like, did you win or not? And it turns out they lost in this. Um, but the scene they're describing is cool. Like, I kind of wanted to see that fight in, you know, in, like, story real time. Because um, hearing about it secondhand just takes away all of the tension because we know how it resolves, right? Like, if, if yeah, here Ron... We are. <laughs> yeah, here we are. We're talking about it in past <laughs> tense. I don't care. I don't care about all these details. I do not care that you were you were watching Long A and D- Draco threw a flashbang at you and was able to press and plant. Like, that's that's irrelevant at this point because we've all seen it happen and every, we know who survived. So, like, I don't care. <laughs> right, and any consequences that could come out of it. For instance, Draco's flashbang that he got at Weasley's wizard wheezes, that could right. be pre- that information could be presented in a different way where it is consequence focused, right? Yes. Like yeah. like Harry is told and is like, you know, Fred and George are going to be in really big trouble, you know, Draco had some of that instant darkness powder. Mhm. But that's it, right? Because the moment to moment stuff doesn't matter because it's over. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, like, the most insane example of that is the thing where Ron and Hermione are like, yeah, we uh, we went to Snape's office, and then we watched Flitwick go in there, and I guess Snape, like, suplexed Flitwick or whatever <laughs> without them noticing... And then just ran out and was like, all right, kids, you've got to go, 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 go fight the Death Eaters. I'm going to Dumbledore. Uh, It is. We are told too much in retrospect, like you can have an important thing happen to a character away from their point of view and have it relayed later and have it work. But like they can't go into granular detail like this because. This becomes a weird scene where 
these characters are becoming narrators for Harry and us at the same time and just describing an action sequence that we know the, res- the resolution to. So it's not exciting. If, if they had just said like, oh my do you, God. Do you, think, do you think there was any point in the editing process or the writing process uh, when she was writing this that um, Hermione or Ron was like, okay, let's watch the fight. And they pulled like the memory out and they all watched it in the pensive together. <laughs> this could have been a pensive chapter. Yeah, it more or less is. It's broken down in like the same level of detail, practically. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's bizarre. I mean, like we, we get, it is, it is detailed enough that we get a thing where we find out that uh, one Death Eater, uh, Chris Kyle, the other one, like, like, which is completely irrelevant. The only reason, the only reason you would like, uh, 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 set up a, a scene that happens that way is for it to happen in front of a character in the moment, right? Like, why does it matter if two nameless Death Eaters friendly fired each other once we've already know that the fight is over, right? Like, what... I I, I almost, you know, you, you mentioned like, oh, what if this is a pensive chapter? I almost wonder if this was a POV chapter at some point that just got I'd reworked. kill for that! Just yeah. stick that Hermione or Ron POV chapter in between the cave and Harry getting back to the castle. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I see no issue with that. It would be fascinating. It would be cool to see, you know, a rare glimpse into another character's perspective in a really key moment, right? Um, and, and, and also, not only that, a key moment, but a, it, would, it would work really well. Unlike this, where we know how the fight resolves, so this like relaying of information is not interesting there would be a sort of like tragic irony to us seeing Dumbledore die right and then rewinding a little bit for a character's POV while that's happening and they don't know that is happening right like that that plays with the information the reader has in a really exciting way I would think whereas mm-hmm. here it's like I don't care like if the death eaters uh, uh, accidentally shot each other or not, because it's not happening, right? Like it happened and I know all these characters are okay. So shrug, right? I think the force field is such an amazing detail. Yes. The, the, it is, it, it rocks because it is, it is such a like, um, lampshade for like well why didn't anyone else run up the stairs like oh i guess you have to have a dark mark to run up there but it is so funny having all these characters like like ron and hermione and lupin and mcgonagall all be like damn i saw snape running up those stairs but i just assumed he was (laughs) (laughs) wait wait, hang on a second like like you you saw him like chilling out with Fenrir Greyback and like like blasting order guys and was like okay he's definitely doing some good guy stuff up there in the dark in the Death Eater <laughs> force field <laughs> I love it because force fields in stories are so stupid already but they serve mm-hmm. a purpose right and yeah. that purpose is to be an obstacle two characters and the fact that there is a force field in the scene that none of the characters know about and creates no tension and is just something to bring up in retrospect is truly brain genius maneuver 
I also love, I, this is my favorite part of it, is that once again, J.K. Rowling left, like, perfect pulp cheese uh, 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 drama manufacturing on the table here. Because, like you say, force fields are silly, but they serve a really, like, uh, a clear stock purpose in a story, right? Which is to make a character have to watch something that they can't do anything about, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like that is what they exist in 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 a narrative to do. I mean, like, like this is like not even just force fields. Like, like I don't know, bulletproof windows, uh, 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 closing metal doors, right? Like, like this is this is <laughs> such a common trope uh, in in stories that is used to the same but very effective. Uh, uh, thing in 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 a lot of uh, uh, genre fiction. Um, the thing that makes this one so funny is number one, the force field is not like in front of Dumbledore getting murdered, and all the Order guys are stuck behind it, going like, "Oh no, we failed, and we had to watch our boss die." Um, it is just at like the foot of the stairs, so they just saw a bunch of Death Eaters run through it, and they're like, "Well, <laughs> okay." <laughs> Guess, guess we can't do anything about it and and they they didn't see it happen so they have to be relayed in this chapter that hey uh 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 Dumbledore died or whatever then after that the weirdest part is not only is it a missed opportunity for a like uh, uh you know on the nose but but like fun tropey oh no we're stuck behind the force field and have to watch something horrible is harry is also doing that under the invisibility cloak and petrified up the stairs like <laughs> <laughs> so we have like double force field this is like if in 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 the phantom menace when 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 obi-wan has to like watch qui-gon get owned by by darth maul uh, yeah. If like all the other characters were also there in different force fields, also <laughs> watching it, like oh fuck, we're all here having a horrible time. I don't. It's really, really incredible, and I also like the way that magic is just introduced in this series now, which is just like oh, we just assumed it was a force field that only the the dark tattoo people can go through. Yeah. Is that how magic works yeah. now? Yeah, ma- th- th- that is a real problem in this book. I think more than ever is this weird way that magic is never magic is never like used in a way where I know what the rule is and therefore know why the spell is a problem. It is always the characters couldn't do something because of magic and then after the fact when the conflict had already resolved a character then says, oh, well, I guess this was blank. I guess this was this magic. Like, like we just had this with the, um, the like, Harry being petrified thing, right? Like, all of a sudden, we learn that Harry, that when a, when a uh, caster dies, I guess the spell dies too, which, like, that would make sense. I, I buy that. That's a pretty common, like, way that magic works in fantasy, right? But it's never mattered until Harry was petrified and then had to have a way to uh, uh, get unpetrified in this scene. Yeah, and is it only, like, certain spells? Right. 
I mean, if the answer is that it's going to be in this instance because Harry needs to not be petrified anymore. Yeah, it's it's just it it, it is. I mean, like all all rules in storytelling are convenience, but it is it is like completely unvarnished, unlampshaded convenience here. That like, oh well, I guess the force field is uh, only for um, uh, uh, <laughs> Death Eaters, or or like the Hand of Glory comes up here, right? And yeah. like, so in folklore, Hands of Glory are like sources of light for the holder i believe i like sure. I, I think that that is something that that like is pulled from fairy tales not just uh uh, uh her own brain here yeah but i don't think did we know that in this story is that just another i i actually this is less of a criticism more of like a question i actually don't remember if when in book two or whatever when the hand of glory was first introduced like did someone say like, oh, it's a light source? Because if you don't know I'm, that. I think that maybe Borgen said that, but I okay. could be wrong. Okay. Because, yeah, it's, it's, it, that, that is one that is like a real piece of folklore. I just couldn't remember, like, is this another convenient, like, oh, guess what? It, 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 uh, it provides light. Or was that ever established? Because if it, if it is the case where it's established that's even more frustrating because that's such an inconsequential thing like why is that the one that gets set up and payoff like the thing that he uses to navigate uh, through his own payoff that we, that we don't get to see either yes yeah set up and payoff that happens relayed to us after the fact so it doesn't really matter i know i cannot overstate how bothered i am that the killing curse is now a projectile <laughs> I know I talked about it before, but I am really, really bothered by that. And I can't figure out if it is J.K. Rowling being just a little too affected by watching movies of her own books. Mm -hmm. But I thought it was like a flash of light. You're dead. There's nothing you can do. Yeah. I, I, I And I think it is... Um. I, I I like like part of me when I, when I got to that moment here when it talked about you know oh I dodged such and such spell I was like well that's not consistent but am I am I worrying too much about it am I just being nitpicky am I just being cinema sins but I think the thing that actually really bothers me about it is that not only has Avada Kedavra worked only as a flash of light and then you're dead thing before but. I think that that was like, like key a key motif, right? Like it is mm -hmm. a completely silent, untraceable, and um, immediate death. It's it, it is you know it's not hitting it's not stabbing someone with a sword and you have to like look them in the eyes or whatever. It's not um, uh, it's not shooting someone with a gun. It's it's like you point your wand at them and then they just fall over. Like there's that really eerie scene where Moody uses the spider as an example. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like in comparison with the really violent things he's making the spiders do previously with like the Crucio and like the Imperius. Right. Um, you know, he like, he like tries to make it kill itself or whatever. And then like with Crucio, it's obviously in pain. And then like the spookiest part is when he just like, deletes life right just like boop you're dead like like there's no no defense 
no um no consequence like for me the caster right like no uh no nothing that might fill me with remorse like no no horrified no 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 horrified look no scream of pain no anything it's just like it is the coldest most hateful just like i am taking your life thing right yeah like that is important i think to book four like uh, like and also not only that but there's the part where because frank bryce was killed with it and it is so untraceable like the the police like the muggle police didn't know what killed him and right now apparently it is a gun that you shoot that uh i guess knocks people back and like that just changes it a, a lot like dumbledore getting zooted off the castle by it is suddenly really funny because it's like well okay it, it, did frank bryce get blown across the room in that case like or like did did the riddles did the did did uh, Tom Riddle's father like fly into the ceiling in a really comical way because if he did I thought the whole point of the uh the the spell was that it was completely untraceable to like you know muggles but like it it we, we know that that's not the case like we we've seen like the police reports in the story saying like oh my god he just he's dead in his chair crazy yeah, I just, I don't know why the book wants to sabotage its own mystique so much. I I understand that it's like, well, yeah, why wouldn't the Death Eaters use the, the killing spell? But I think that it is, I think that one, they would be scarier if they didn't. I think that you can still have a scary guys and have them not use the killing spell and i also just think that it should be harder to do like make it make it be this real this motif in in the book and just make it hard to do it's already tied to intent so why can you just miss and hit someone else (laughs) it is just literally a gun yeah yeah like we've joked about it being a gun like effectively in the story but I think when it's been working at its best, it's not right. It is, it is, it is a, a a symbol of like you hating the victim so fully that you just like delete their life force. Right. Like, like, Mm -hmm. like no, uh, no exertion of force required. Um, which is like, that's, much more interesting than what we have here, which is like it's a dodgeable green bullet, um, which is just kind of lame. Because we also have like there are dodgeable red bullets in this as well, and dodgeable blue. But like we every every spell is a bullet now, uh, which is just less imaginative and less creative and and like less fun, like less interesting. I just feel like I'm reading a description of a cover shooter. You should be able to blind fire the killing curse that right. requires like intent and and has so much like symbolic meaning to the story. Right. Yeah. It's yeah, I, and like that's why it bothers me. Like I'm not I'm not usually super pressed about like stuff evolving over time to like match this a story as it changes, but like this one is so blatantly like this used to mean something and 
now it doesn't. Like, I'm fine with things changing to mean something. Like, if this had happened in reverse, I think that would have been better, right? Like, if when Avada Kedavra was first introduced and it was, like, a boring bullet spell and then, like, later got retconned into a much scarier thing, mm -hmm. I'd be all on board for that. Like, like, because you're give, like, that would give it meaning, give it purpose, and give it a more interesting motif. But here it's kind of, like, <laughs> backwards, where it's like, it had a really kind of interesting motif and it just became action movie bullet. Um which is, it's a bummer. I think some of the most sinister, scary things that Death Eaters have done in, um, in like fight scenes have been using spells that we have seen used in like innocent contexts, like the jelly legs jinx or whatever, and being used to do violence to someone. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was a big part of like the fight at the end of um, the fifth book was that like some of that was actually surprisingly cool right like and kind of scary and i wish i wish we got to see more of that stuff right uh, uh rather than just have dedicated kill spell and dedicated torture spell i mean snape uses a whip spell snape, snape does have apparently like a laser whip spell which i will, <laughs> will say much cooler than than anything else here i guess um yeah uh, so moving on from the, like, uh, uh, secondhand fight description, we now have two romantic subplots running into each other here for no reason. I could not believe what I was reading. I gotta say, I, I was in shock reading these two rapid fire romance subplots resolve. This one is so funny to me because I... <laughs> The floor one in particular, the the like, oh, uh, like, uh, I bet I bet you don't want to marry Bill anymore because he's not hot is so funny because like that is a this is a like fantastic payoff to a conflict that never existed. <laughs> like, when I didn't if we know that was our problem with Fleur. Y yeah, like. Uh, like everyone all of the scenes that have been the Weasleys um, complaining about Floor have been that like oh she kind of has no filter right like that's the strongest criticism that you can level at Floor is that like she kind of has no filter she just kind of says rude stuff or like not even rude stuff but like says stuff that is like I think you put it really well in, in one of the early Burrow chapters in this book where you're, where you're like there is a established family dynamic that the Weasleys have that Floor is like kind of running like a bull in a china shop routine through, right? Like she is just she is just like upending the way things work in the burrow with the way she behaves. Yeah, and that's um, why I was really cautiously positive about the Burrow stuff, even though there was some kind of cruel stuff, both from Fleur and from the Weasleys, but it was like, oh, this is just someone joining a family and having a tough time. This is like culture shock. Yeah, exactly. It was it was great, but I had never in my wildest dreams could I imagine that like the issue was they all thought that she only wanted Bill for his sexy looks or whatever like that's such like we've only ever been just like we've gotten one physical description of bill and it was harry saying like damn he looks cool 
Like, like they, this guy looks like he likes to party. This is in like book. That was like three. four books ago, and, and yeah. Harry was like, "Wow, his hair—he's got a ponytail and a cool earring. He's, he's got, so he's, cool. He's got like cool cyber goth boots. This guy loves. This guy likes to throw down. Um, and I, I love this because it's like it is, it is the resolution to a plot that doesn't exist. But it's one that I would like. Like, this is Regency fiction stuff, right? Like, like oh, mm-hmm. Mr. M- Miss Thompson will no longer... I assume she will no longer be marrying Mr. Wilkins because he is indisposed. Like, oh, no, actually, I still love Mr. Wilkins so much because it comes from my heart and not from his, his good looks or his fortune. Like, okay, sure, I love that. <laughs> that works for me every time. Hell Yeah. <laughs> But instead, it's like, wait, why the fuck are you assuming the worst? Like, I know that you don't like Floor, but when has she ever said, like, oh, I only like Bill because he is fucking smoking. He is a 10 out of 10 total smoke show. Like, she's never said that. It is the opposite. She is the (laughs) one that is ultra hot. Yeah, Um, she's a Vila. Which... In my mind, I think this is J.K. Rowling telling on herself a little more than Mm. she meant to, which is that introducing Fleur as hot and, I don't know, caring about her looks or whatever, (laughs) I think that she thinks that it is un... It does not need to be said that she would be superficial. Yes. Yeah, it is... It it is it is one of the funniest things I like a like a running motif in Harry Potter is that the only thing that is worse than an ugly person is a hot person. <laughs> That's right. Like like who are the who are the people in this book who are hottest? Tom Riddle, like Fleur Delacour. <laughs> if if you are hot, you are you are superficial, you are possibly Ted Bundy, like like those are the only two options, and if you're ugly, you're fat, you're stupid, and you don't deserve to live either. <laughs> the only people who deserve a happy life in J.K. Rowling's worldview are like sevens. If you're if you're a smart seven, you're good to go. You will have a good life. You'll marry at seventeen, right out of high school, and you'll get a job as a cop or a teacher or whatever. If you are a smidgen hotter or uglier than that. <laughs> You are garbage and need to be dealt with. Here's the thing. Hermione is a solid 5 out of 10 on a normal day, but she gets some of that sleek, easy hair potion and puts on a dress for the Yule Ball, and she is a solid 7 out of 10. Solid 7! Because <laughs> we all know 7 is a holy number. That's the magic number, That's 7 out right. of 10. Biblically, the hottest you can be is a 7. <laughs> Don't. Don't go above or below that or you're in trouble. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so I, I think you're right. It is J.K. Rowling kind of telling on herself a bit. And and the other thing that's weird about this is, isn't it backwards? Shouldn't it be that, like, Floor got mauled and, like, has, like, a cool badass scar now, but everyone says it's ugly? And, and Bill's like, don't worry, I still love you, even though you, like, you, you don't know, you're like a nine instead of a ten now. Like, shouldn't that be how this goes? This is this is the power couple of the century, and it's Fleur who maybe can turn into a cool bird lady and has cool witcher scars on her face from a werewolf. Right. Yeah. What I want to know is here. Okay, here's another thing. Fleur is here. Um, and and 
that we we just got a, a long ass description of a fight that we didn't get to see from Ron and Hermione. <laughs> yeah, I want to know was Floor out there? Was she chucking fireballs? Because we know that Vila can do that. Was Uh-oh. she? Did she set Hagrid's house on fire? Oh, mm, uh oh! Did one of those fireballs get a little out of the way? Uh-oh. <laughs> Oops. Oopsie Daisy. Yeah, I uh I, I I I love how crazy this is. It is it is total nonsense. And this this part where like like you know Molly is so overcome with shock and delight that 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 Floor is a human being with feelings, um, and is like, well you can use a pretty tiara that I have or whatever. And then they, and then they, they hug it out. And Harry is like, damn women. I don't get it. Women. They're crazy. You gotta admit women are crazy. I love that this comes after. So like, they just, I'm just like imagining what this scene looks like. And it's, they're in the, they're in the hospital wing. and It's very (laughs) cramped. And Harry has just been standing there listening to Ron and Hermione talk about a Counter-Strike match that he didn't get to play. Uh, yes. And he, so he is bored, but like, he's, he's just, he's so overcome. He's like, he's, he's like, I don't want to listen to about how you econ so well in this match. Dumbledore just died. I can't think about this right now. Um, And then Molly and, and, Arthur have to come in and Harry has to yet again deliver the news that Dumbledore is dead <laughs> to a second group of people coming in and and somehow in his mind as he is being you know torn every which way between having to listen to Ron and Hermione's dumb story and seeing Bill's you know gory face and and thinking you know all these characters saying like oh my god if only I had thought that maybe it was weird that Snape went through the force field <laughs> that only Death Eaters <laughs> could go through. Like he's, you know, he's, 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 you know, all these characters, he's having to comfort all these characters who feel guilty. And he's also dealing with his own guilt, but he is still able to see two women hugging and being like, bitches are fucking crazy. <laughs> like, what is his problem? <laughs> what is Harry's deal? <laughs> women, am I right? Yeah, it's like like the, the most traumatic experience in his life is not has not it's not only unfolded it is still unfolding because he is now in like the aftershock part where he's having to like give people the bad news and he's still overcome with confusion about like how 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 do women think about stuff Blah. like it's so it's so crazy. Well, it's not over yet. Nope, because mm, do you want to please please walk me through the next thing that happens here? So because Bill is going to be a little wolfy, I guess, and Fleur is okay with that, (laughs) Tonks then turns to Lupin and says, see, Fleur is okay with Bill being sort of a werewolf and I'm okay with you being a werewolf and Harry gets the light bulb above his head and it's like oh Tonks is sad because she's in love with Lupin oh. <laughs> and Ooh. 
And then Lupin muddies the waters by saying, yeah, but I'm also poor and old. (laughs) I like that those matter on the same level of, of like, those are like the same level of importance. Like, Mm, I'm conflicted about being, you know, taking a lover while I'm a werewolf. You know, I could, I could turn into a wolf and fuck them up. I could, you know, I could go crazy and eat them or something like that's pretty big. I would worry about that if I was a werewolf being poor. I mean, I get it. I'd be like, damn, I can't provide for, for this you know person in this relationship. You could probably talk it out, you know? You could probably talk that one out. It seems like Tonks is a pretty stable job. He could be a stay-at-home werewolf, probably. The third one being <laughs> I'm too old, which... Let's... Yeah. The, the, the age spectrum in Harry Potter is uh, you're, a, you're a student, uh, yep. you are... Capital A, just adult, or you are decrepit. Those are the three <laughs> ages you can be in Harry Potter. It, like if so, if like you're Dumbledore and Tonks is like, "Hey, I uh, let me see some of that. Let me see some of that sherbet lemon." I would get Dumbledore being like, "No, I'm too old." Lupin. <laughs> I only remembered that Lupin was older than Tonks technically because of this scene. Like Lupin would be like late. Mid late thirties here, and Tonks I think he's is... thirty seven or thirty eight, and she is twenty four or twenty five. Like and like that's a gap, but like it's not like it, it's one. It's not like they're they're people who have known each other for a long time, and he has like groomed her, right? Like they met last year, I think, in in this story. Also, like that's just not old. 37 Especially is not when I'm old. pretty sure I'm pretty sure wizards live to be like 200 also. Yeah, Dumbledore As was like, like another aside. Yeah, Dumbledore right. was like 150 years old. Lupin is 37. Lupin I'm so, you know, maybe I'm saying this cuz I'm 28 or whatever and like I'm, you know, I'm staring down the barrel of being 30, but I just don't think that's that old. I just don't think that this is the place to like litigate about whether or not that age gap is a problem, especially because this is a this is like a conflict that has happened entirely off screen. The only part that's been established is Harry looking at Tonks and saying like, oh, your hair is brown. You must be depressed. Um, and so to ha- to have this conflict resolve in front of us in dialogue that we didn't know was happening um, but then to ha- there's too much going on. You can't have it yeah. be about him being a werewolf, being poor, and being old. That's too much. <laughs> that's f- that's for the Red Relationships board. That does not belong here. <laughs> right. It's you it, know it, it, maybe maybe she writes that post and is like I you know 24 F um am in love with a werewolf 38 M uh, but he doesn't want to be with me because he's a werewolf and then maybe the first comment is like well you know you should talk it out um but you should respect his wishes. But also, I've noticed the age gap. But that's for that, right? Like, <laughs> that is too. That is too much here. It is, is too a, confusing. That is a separate conversation. That like it could be an a, a compelling plot all of its own, right? <laughs> but I think that the werewolf thing really overshadows the other two. Yeah, I, I think that it would need to be be coming up more than twice. Uh, to really bring in all of these factors, because human relationships, they're complicated. Yeah. Um, but Werewolf I don't know why that all has to be brought up in this weird resolution. And bigger than that, why is this in the book? <laughs> you might Can you, as- like, 
why is this even here? Like if he's if he's just like if he just wants to litigate literally everything, it's like, oh, I'm you know, I'm I'm a werewolf, I'm old, I'm poor, I've got a weird dick. <laughs> like it's a really weird conversation to have in front of everyone who's here. I've been doing improv with Fenrir Greyback, so um, so that's just kind of set me on edge a little bit. And I don't know if I if I really want to be in a relationship while I'm also hanging out with Fenrir. It's just it's just too much. Yeah, I've, been, here. I've been watching Fenrir eat children all year, apparently, and I just can't think about a relationship right now. And like that was where I was like, I was like, please let this chapter end. Was on this like weird, Never. Th- this like Never. bizarre discussion, but no, this is. Would you believe not the most insane thing has not happened in this chapter yet? <laughs> because next we go to Dumbledore's office with Harry and McGonagall, and one, I don't even want to get into like this too much, but I think it bears mentioning there is a Dumbledore portrait already hanging on the wall. Who put up the portrait? Who who put up the portrait? What does it mean? Could it can it talk? Is it is this a situation where like did did Dumbledore have this portrait all along ready to go when he died and then it's going to be him but as a painting? Is that not how it works? Is that how it works? I have so many questions about paintings again, which I know I know I keep on I'm a real stickler for in this series, but like the nature of the paintings being like alive and sentient drives me fucking crazy now that we have just seen a character die and everyone cry and 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 moan and and gnash and wail <laughs> and like here is a painting that can talk that's him right here here he is hello he's Dumbledore like am, am I making this up or did we read that maybe J.K. Rowling said on Pottermore at some point that the headmaster portraits are different because the headmaster spends their entire like tenure talking to a portrait to like instill their essence what i don't did think i make I, that up i that i mean like that would be cool i've never heard that okay thank god i didn't make this up headmaster portraits are capable of interaction with the living world the headmaster or headmistress is painted before they die when the portrait is completed it is kept in a cupboard in the castle and the headmaster or headmistress can teach their portrait to act and behave like themselves what? additionally they can impart specific information and knowledge that can be shared down the centuries with their successors what <laughs> what the portraits uh, the portraits are literally just like I'm going to upload my my consciousness into yeah. a computer and then I will live forever. That's mm, that is crazy. And like not even like necessarily in a bad way, but like it is so wild that like this is sitting in front of them and it's not addressed in the story. Like <laughs> everyone is so the fox is outside losing his goddamn shit that Dumbledore is dead. <laughs> And there's yeah. a painting of him chilling in the office next to his perch. Like, I yeah, he, he's sleeping in the painting, I think. But that is not the part that I want to talk about. Okay. What I want to talk about is, and maybe this just hit different because of where we are in the world right now. But this okay. part where McGonagall and Flitwick are like, well, what are we going to do? Are we going to close the school? Are we going to, you know, we've got to send all the kids home. It's not safe. The parents are going to want to. And Harry says, no, we are going to have a funeral and everyone is going to come to the funeral and say goodbye to the headmaster. 
Are you fucking kidding me? I I am really fucked up by all this because I swear to God, J.K. Rowling just has flat out forgotten that this is a school and not just like a nation state. Right. Like, yeah, when the king dies, yeah, everyone's got to come to the funeral. Duh. Right. Yeah. But he's the principal of the school. He's the and he just got fu- he just got fucking murdered out there. They're moving the body around. They're like planning <laughs> the funeral. And the, and McGonagall is suddenly the principal in his place. Like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah, there's like the line of succession at Hogwarts. If the headmaster dies, the designated survivor takes over immediately. I I know that like at a school, if the principal goes on vacation, then the vice principal like takes on the duties. But I don't think if the principal dies, the vice principal is just like I'm the principal now forever. If the principal, if, <laughs> if the principal gets blown off the roof of the school with a shotgun, <laughs> they don't like. They don't just like okay, we're going to gra- take the body and then all the kids have to stay here until the funeral so they can say goodbye. Like, what the fuck are you talking about, Harry? The janitor moves the body before the police <laughs> show up. They fucking, like, oh there's, oh, there's also the part where Harry's like, Dumbledore would want to be buried at Hogwarts. Like, buried at the school. Like, that is fucking insane to think about like you're going to school and there's just a like tomb for the last principal like on the lawn yes he was murdered here and you're like you're like oh i remember the day that i thought that i had to go home because there was a terrorist attack in my fucking school but actually i had to stay an extra couple of days so they could like set up a funeral they could like rent enough chairs for everyone to come and and sit and watch haggard do the eulogy watch the janitor do the eulogy for the fucking principal i when they're talking and harry's like no we can't close the school I I lost my mind when McGonagall just straight up deadpans this. I must say that Professor Dumbledore's murder is more disturbing to me than the idea of Slytherin's monster living undetected in the bowels of the castle. I, you know, I, th- that is that is just word for word. That is the you can excuse racism meme. Like, <laughs> Like I can deal with I can deal with Salazar Slytherin putting the uh the Muggleborn murder snake in the bottom of the school for two hundred years, but but Dumbledore dying? That's beyond the pale. I I really just think it's the opposite is the thing. It's like when there's like a dangerous snake in the school and you don't know where it is and it is trying to kill people. I think that's worse than someone just being murdered and the murderers being gone and you know that they're gone. Both bad. Don't get me wrong. I think probably the school should be closed in both cases, but I don't know about this one. I just like imagine you're like just some like mook kid at at Hogwarts. You're Ernie uh, McMillan. Yeah, you're Ernie McMillan. Uh, you're actually no, because Ernie McMillan was in that fight. Um, you're, you're Jack Sloper. You're you're Jack Sloper, and you're like, you know, you're waking up, woken up in the middle of the night by all this commotion. The ceiling collapsed in one part of the school apparently because of uh, some gun spells gone awry. <laughs> 
Um, you you look out the window and you watch the headmaster <laughs> ragdolling and clipping through the ground when he hits it and like like mm-hmm. uh, uh, just, just just brutal stuff. You're like, oh my god, the dark mark is hovering above the astronomy tower. Dumbledore just died. Uh, and and you're like, am I? You know, am I going home? Am I going to see my family? Do I like? You, you know, there's two paths you can take from here. You'd be like, oh fuck, I want to. I want to go home. I, I'm not safe here. I want to be with my family. Or you say, fuck yes, this rules. I'm getting sent home early. Summer vacation is going to be longer than ever. Those are the two. Those are the two paths the teenagers can walk. Then, as it turns out, Harry Potter, some the, the fucking teacher's pet. Makes you go to a fucking <laughs> funeral for the or the old weird guy who stands up at the beginning of the uh, of the year and says like, "Bazinga, ointment, bu- bubble gum, wahoo!" Before you can eat your food or whatever, and like you've got to sit there and and watch the janitor who like nearly gets a kid uh, uh, gored by a monster once once a semester. Like, like, give a give a speech. You'd be so fucking pissed off. You would probably join the Death Eaters at that point. Like, fuck Harry. Why do I gotta stay here for this? I want to go home. I I remember when nine eleven happened, three thousand miles away from where I live. Mm-hmm. Kids went home from school. <laughs> Right, you didn't like. It was three thousand miles away. <laughs> they went home from school. <laughs> Granted, when we went back to school, we did have to watch like a nine eleven AMV set to what's that Enya song? Oh, uh, the Who Can Say Why the Wind yep. Blow? That one. That one. Yep. That one. Beautiful. I'm sure that was very moving for you as a child. Oh yeah. <laughs> This this is this is crazy. This is this was such a good cherry on top for this chapter. And like this is where this chapter ends is is like Harry making this very brave, I guess, decision. Like, no, we must honor Dumbledore, uh, the guy who did not believe me all year that Draco was making a va- a vanishing cabinet to let a werewolf in. Um <laughs> But actually, he knew all along. Yeah, this brave decision to make everyone at the school stay there, potentially in danger, um, uh, so they can uh, say goodbye to the guy he liked. It is unbelievable. Uh, And it is the, the, like, it it is, it is, I'm so glad we read two chapters, because this was just an escalation. Like, Last chapter ends on a pretty funny note with with Snape saying like I was the book idiot, uh, I'm the half blood <laughs> prince, and you kind of yelling that in a in the middle of a gunfight. That's pretty funny, but I could never have predicted that this chapter, which I did not remember at all, ended with uh, Harry being a little teacher's pet and making everyone stay at the school for a funeral, like. Bravo. I could not have, I could never have imagined this if you asked me what happened in the second to last chapter of Half-Blood Prince. Does she remember that it's a school? (laughs) Yeah, that really is, that really is the, like, the key question as these books escalate more and more into being, like, political fiction, is it's like, it's a school. He's not the king. 
He's he's not like he's not the revolutionary leader. He is a guy who is kind of smart and uh, uh, runs the school. That that is it. His, he's his... very powerful, which appears to be like a birthright thing. <laughs> his main job is like uh, 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 payroll for teachers, right? Like his. I actually know he's probably got someone else to do that his main job is like goofing off in his office all day and like talking to kids who are in trouble who get sent to the principal that's like mainly what he does all day and he's like he's like the most powerful man in the world I suppose school as a metaphor for like politics and life is a really common thing right like we've we've all seen a damn anime before oh yeah once once you have decided this is no longer a metaphor. This is a. Uh, this is actually a spy fiction story. It you you need to readjust those like those stakes as well. Um, and it's really funny that they just never got like none of that stuff got recalibrated. I mean, when I think about it now, it it just really is like the king is dead, and now Harry, Ron, and Hermione have to leave the kingdom to go on a magic quest. <laughs> this is a totally different premise and thing that is happening yeah yeah Uh, and and also that is also funny because this whole time we have been pointing out how like how how funny it is that like oh jk rowling clearly got tired of writing the like boarding school fiction and wanted to write uh, uh espionage fiction and now the espionage fiction has like concluded with this explosive murder and now it's going to be a fantasy novel for one book of them walking around collecting magic items to complete a quest. And and that is such a funny uh uh transition. Um and I'm I'm so curious how it's gonna how it's gonna work at this point. These chapters kicked my ass. They really did. I feel I feel uh, uh, completely defeated by these chapters, but they were very entertaining. I'm definitely glad we decided to read two. Yeah, absolutely hilarious. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Um, we have run very long this week because of this uh, uh, very special bumper edition of the cast. Uh, I'm glad that we did these. I think that just doing the the the, uh, the flight of the prince chapter on its own would have been a little anemic, maybe. Um, uh, I, yeah, I, the second chapter was definitely a full episode's worth, but the first yeah. one, <laughs> mm. yeah. Um, so with that in mind, I've, I've chosen something kind of light for our third segment here. Um, sure. we have not finished the book, but we're, we're basically at the end here. And mm-hmm. as well as the, you know, the big shocking twist that like, oh no, Snape killed Dumbledore. How do we deal with this information? Um, there's, there's the matter of this being the final gap between books, uh, uh, that we are entering, um, the space in between, 
uh, uh, Half Blood Prince and Deathly Hallows was shorter, if I remember right. It was like a year, two years. Um, but there were definitely a lot of crazy theories in between. And I found a fun Reddit post that sort of like prompts people to to say the ones they remember. And I want to know which of these you remember, have any thoughts on um uh, uh or and it, it maybe 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 we can share some of what we thought in between these two books yeah um this is called wondering what end of the series theories were popular before half-blood prince and deathly hallows were published unlike many people i only started reading harry potter books just after deathly hallows was published at the age of 10 because of that i never had to wait for any new books to come out a side effect of that was I never took the time to really formulate theories of what I thought was going to come next. Basically, I'm really curious as to what the popular theories were back then for the last two books. Obviously, no one knew about Horcruxes or Hallows or anything like that, which I love that this is just a, like a, a, a given, like this is an aside here. But it is so funny that nobody knew about the apparently most important things in the series until the last two books. Um, <laughs> So what did people think was going to happen? Did people have theories about how Voldemort survived the curse backlash from when he tried to kill Harry as a child? Did they have different ideas of how the prophecy was going to play out? I'm just really curious. If you were a fan way back then and can answer some of these, I would be very grateful. Um, so one, I am a, I am an old person who was there for this. Uh, so I can kind of share some of my experience. But there are a lot of good comments here that I think bring up some really funny theories that I had never heard before um and yeah some i'm curious I if i will know any yeah yeah that's the other thing here because you you were obviously much more immersed in the fandom than i ever was um at this point so i i'm very curious whether there are some like juicy details on some of these so the first one here is uh at least before deathly hallows dumbledore faking his death was a popular one um, I remember hearing some state a theory that Dumbledore and Snape traded places using Polyjuice Potion. Um, I certainly would have never entertained this because I was mostly heartbroken that Snape was possibly a bad guy, although I was also pretty sure that he wasn't. I don't remember the Dumbledore being alive theories quite as much as people that were really holding out for Sirius to still be alive. Hmm. Like, because the veil, I guess, like, the veil was kind of, like, inconclusive. Yeah, the veil is never explained. I mean, it obviously doesn't need to be, right? <laughs> it is very um, obvious in a literary way, if right. that makes sense. But yeah. The, but in the style of Harry Potter, it never, like, goes out of its way to have a character say, like, this is what the veil is. Right, he's um, gone for and good. And so I think that there was still just this idea that he could be retrieved from it or or back to life in some other way. <laughs> and I th and what, from what I remember, like, I remember this kind of odd thing that would happen, which is, like, the more deaths there were in Harry Potter, it, it almost felt like one had to be not real. And I think that at least in the circles that I was in, uh, people were still kind of trying to hang their hat on Sirius coming back. That one, I, I, I sympathize with that one just because like for as funny as like I, the serious one is funny because like you say, the like literary implications of the veil are so obvious, right? Like it is literally mm -hmm. called the veil right like it's right. it's it is uh, uh someone has has passed beyond the veil the character's dead yeah um yeah 
but it is it is I sympathize in that it is like one it is ambiguous enough in a series where the most shocking deaths have been like very violent and detailed Mm -hmm. right like yeah Cedric gets fucking blown away and he like just he's just fucking lying dead on the ground uh Dumbledore gets ragdolled off the castle and and splats into the ground right like Mm -hmm. there's those are so um meticulously detailed that I, I get it but then there's also the other part that I, I I I can't deny it's pretty fucking cool when a character comes back sometimes. And I guess in in a wider context, you would might like now in retrospect, I would look back and probably expect Dumbledore to be back as Gandalf <laughs> the White, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, that is that is actually brought up here. Uh, it, it specifically in one of these posts, this person has kind of a list that's kind of fun. Um, Hermione was secretly a dark witch and Voldemort's spy. Did you know anything about that one? Uh, yeah, I've heard that one before. I can't remember the reasons why. I, I, it's definitely in the realm of like, um, I've also heard Dobby the same way. It's like Dobby and Hermione. Um, and it reads in the same way to me that like Jar Jar Binks is a, Sith Lord or a R2D2 yeah. is the strongest Jedi. It was <sighs> like those style essays, right? I the thing is I, I I those ones are fun, but they're never I don't think even the people who write those like those are creative writing exercises, right? Like those aren't those aren't theories generally. Like the like the Jar Jar thing was so obviously a joke that just like happened to pull in a bunch of funny coincidences, right? <laughs> uh-huh. Um there's the the Hermione thing is funny because the Voldemort spy thing, I would have to see like what the, the evidence people thought might be real was. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as her, like being a dark wizard, I mean, I could see it. She fucking like tortured. I wish she got something Umbr- to do. Yeah. Yeah. She, she tortured Umbridge. She, uh, 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 you know, scarred Marietta Edgecombe. She kept, she kidnapped someone and kept them in a jar for a summer. Like, She's up to some shit, you know? Yeah. Um, their second one here is, uh, a bullet point here is, uh, Dumbledore would return like Gandalf. Um, oh, easy. Yeah. I, I like this one because it is, it is one, it is like, yeah, I get it. Like, like everyone wants the cool old guy to come back. They are basically the same, serve the same purpose. Not, not in like, oh, he's a ripoff, but just like, he is the same archetype, right? He's the, yeah. the, the, wi- the wise, the wise, kind old man. Um, and it's cool when he comes back to help. Um, but I, I like the, like Gandalf is in parentheses here as like a, a core detail of this theory, because really <laughs> it means everyone had just watched Lord of the Rings and had that on the brain. Like, that's right. Right. Like it is because it, it, Harry Potter came out in such a funny cultural moment when fantasy was getting popular again and everyone went to see Lord, like, Lord of the Rings has obviously always been a very popular thing with, like, fantasy nerds, right? But Mm -hmm. I don't think the average Harry Potter reader would have known who Gandalf was as a point of comparison if the the movies had not been coming out at the same time as the Harry Potter books. Like, it's just a really... That's just a really funny, like, convergence of of things happening. Mm -hmm. Um... Snape was a traitor. Somewhat true in the Half-Blood Prince reveal is on this list. 
uh, I guess I all I can say to those people is is he's he is just so obviously a damn good guy. Like it is yeah. un 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 unassailable. Uh, Department of Mysteries was going to be more significant. That's what I wish was true. Yeah, I think a lot of people. I I I think that the existence of unspeakables and the Department of Mysteries was so interesting and intriguing to people. It comes up a lot in fan fiction. Um, I I feel like when people would write um, the characters as adults, Hermione is often unspeakable because I think I mean it is really like oh I want to hear more about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, nope. No. Um. This is one we've talked about before, but I would love to get into in detail one day. Mm-hmm. Dumbledore is Ron, who had time-traveled. That one is a doozy. That one's a doozy. Uh, yeah, we should talk about that sometime. Do that, a little, that's, a little segment is, of its own. Yeah, that's a doozy, and it's one that I almost wish was true. Um, I, I just love that idea for some reason uh, which is weird because i i normally i'm not a big fan of like uh uh like time travel cycle story stuff um mm-hmm. but this this tweak on it is so it is like more in the realm of like a, a like like that's a higurashi ass twist right like like that is a this is much more of a visual novel version of this where it's like oh one character in the story is actually a time traveler who knows what's going on and like i love that kind of thing like i love i love the archetype of like um g-man from half-life or Mm -hmm. uh the um and and this is this has maybe faded a bit into the background since they wrote him out of the show but that weird jester in in uh song of ice and fire who like keeps on prophesizing things and seems to know sure like i love that kind of shit right and yeah ron being that would be so i don't even want to say good but it would be just like i want to see i i would have loved to have seen a and and I think maybe the reason I like it so much is because it, it it implies a version of these books where there is a twist that encompasses the whole series because mm-hmm. that's what th- this series lacks that really strikingly I think actually it's weird because it it both lacks it but also wants to pretend that that's kind of the whole thing right exactly like I don't think every series needs something like that but it really wants to pretend that it has it exactly yeah it has such and did the whole time <laughs> yeah the horcrux stuff the rab reveal like all of that has like such a strong energy of like oh this is this is gonna change the way you think about the entire series right and i when i like you say i don't think that kind of twist is necessary um but when a when a story pulls that off it i love it right um and I, so i think and, i am so I'm so desperate for any one of the main characters or a character in Harry Potter that I care about to do something or have something revealed that makes me see them in a different light. And don't say Snape's memory reveals. That's not what I mean. (laughs) You mean that, but good. You mean that. What if it was, what if it was interesting and not lame? Um, Exactly. The next one of these is, of course, Snape was in love with Lily, which is true. Uh, It turned out to be true in Deathly Hallows. Um, This person's personal favorite in this list. 
Snape was actually in love with James and was bullied for it. Uh, uh, was which I think is another one where I'm like, actually, I I could see that that one that would be bold. I think for a sure. book uh, from from the '90s. Um, yeah. Uh, Harry was a Horcrux. Of course, this turned out to be true. Neville was the boy of prophecy, and then this was one I had never seen before. Dudley was the boy of prophecy. Was that one that you came across? That one seemed pretty funny. Yeah, I, yeah, I think I've seen that, but I don't think it was ever taken very seriously. Okay. And also, like, what would that have even looked like? What would the story look like? You know? <laughs> yeah, there's not really much meat on that one. Um. Uh, another person brought up the Dumbledore faking his own death thing, uh, and 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 the Snape and Dumbledore traded places. That this is one that they remember really well. And and someone has chimed in with a detail that I find very interesting. The best evidence I heard was comparing two paragraphs from Half Blood Prince. They have two quotes here. One: Harry fed Dumbledore the potion, repulsed by what he was doing. And then they have another quote, which is: Snape advanced towards Dumbledore, hate and revulsion etched on his face as he moved to kill him. Uh, said that both felt the same way, hating what they were having to do to Dumbledore and making a case for Snape being on the good side, a wonderful observation. Which I think the second one is kind of true, right? Like, that is that is why revulsion is on Snape's face there. Um, yeah. I don't remember the Snape-Dumbledore switching places thing at all. It's, it's a weird one, but I could almost... <laughs> that, that would be a good way... That would be a good way to like uh uh handle how dumb Dumbledore comes across in that final scene where he's like stalling with Draco. Like <laughs> it's just Snape doing like the best impression he can of what Dumbledore talks like. Um uh-huh. uh uh, a personal favorite of mine, of course, this is uh, the, the time-traveling Ron Weasley one again. This one has a link to the theory, but then they follow up with another one. My favorite Dumbledore theory was the Dumbledore is the giant squid theory as an animagus. Uh, I think it was funny just because it was ridiculous and hard to counter because of lack of evidence one way or the other, but I think it got disproven in later books. That is how evidence works. That is, yeah, you can't prove that he's not the he's not the giant squid. I do like that one, though, because the giant squid is a weird thing that only pops up a couple of times. And I always forget mm-hmm. that it exists, but there's, there's like, the one that's always crazy to me is remembering that there's that, um, there's like the line about, like, during the summer or whatever, like, Ron and Harry and Hermione were, like, playing with the tentacle or whatever. Like it was just <laughs> chilling with them in the on the like on the edge of the lake, um, and I always like I, I I actually do remember people theorizing like not specifically Dumbledore but that like the giant squid was going to be important because it like it just popped up in such seemingly innocuous moments, um, but was very chill with all the students. Um, Yet another thing that would have been great. Yeah, that's that would have been one that would have been cute. Here's one just for you. I remember people thinking Snape was a vampire. Um, he is a vampire. He is. He can fly. He mm-hmm. he's uh he's got good fashion sense. Uh he is uh he is a he is a vampire. I think that's unassailable. Uh-huh. There was a crazy theory that Snape was in love with Lily after H 
after uh, Hapel Prince, there was this even wilder theory that Harry was himself a Horcrux. I read a fan fiction about Harry being a Horcrux before Deathly Hallows came out. In a way, those theories ruined the surprise. Oh, I mean, Harry was in a Horcrux in so much fan fiction. It is, yeah. it's not that far of a leap. No, I think, I think once you put together uh, the thing with like, oh. Um, Dumbledore literally said to Harry that there is a piece of Voldemort inside him, right? Yeah, it's and like just, book two. It's not, it's not much of a surprise. <laughs> I don't remember much about the period when Deathly Hallows came out, but I have a rec- vague recollection of being horrified to find a magazine article declaring that Harry might die. And this was just a few days before the official release date because J.K. Rowling couldn't decide maybe whether to kill him off or let him live. At any rate, I had no doubt that J.K.R. could do it. This was a time when Game of Thrones hadn't burst onto the mainstream, and J.K.R. was as notorious as uh, George R. R. Martin for killing off fan-favorite characters. And the first thing I did on buying was turn to the last chapter. Why would you do that? Fuck. That's really funny. That sounds like something I would do. <laughs> were, were you that Were you that kind of reader? Just like mm, Not with Harry Potter, but I, I am definitely guilty of doing that with a lot of stuff, for sure. I, I guess I do... I do that with stuff I like I I always look up spoilers for um uh like big AAA games that I might play at some point but I'm not interested in playing right now, right? Um and I do it with uh every Marvel movie, which is great cuz I know I know like jack shit about Marvel for the most part, and so it's always fun reading people going ape shit over like, "Can you believe that this guy Mysterio he's he's got the drones and I'm like yeah that sounds crazy I don't know what you're talking about but it sounds like you're having a good time so I'm kind of having a good time <laughs> um, yeah I I um I'm playing The Witcher right now oh we yeah talk about it on our bonus episodes I've read <laughs> all the endings oh yeah <laughs> you oh, know yeah. which one you know which one you're going for yeah because I didn't want a bad one yeah that's true yeah. I just you know I encounter these like hard and they do that RPG like big time big choice uh song and dance and i don't want any of that i just want to get a good ending that one so like um our rpg tastes are so similar but i think that's like the one place where we diverge generally it's like i love being surprised by the ending of an rpg and my choices and stuff but Mm. i will say every now and then a a choice in a game stresses me out so bad that i will do that like hmm I think I don't like surprises. I'm just realizing this about myself. I would rather just know. <laughs> that's fair enough. That's, 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 uh, that's, uh, yeah. That's, uh, I guess that's why I don't care about spoilers. Yeah. No, that's the thing too. I, I, it's weird, right? Cause I don't, I don't care about spoilers. I will actively seek them out a lot of the time. Um, but for whatever reason, if I'm the one playing something, I like the experience of being, shocked by a story um mm. however that being said sometimes a story is so good that when you get to that moment it still is emotionally affecting right like i'm assuming with the witcher you're experiencing this right like you oh, know yeah. you know what's happened what's going to happen but like the the ins and outs of it still catch you off guard or like are still generating those emotions right yeah, it just it's just really not about the facts of the story itself, because that's just going to be right. what it is. Um, I, yeah. I didn't do that with Harry Potter, um, but I don't I don't think it would have affected me one way or the other knowing those things. 
which is why yeah. I'm kind of a little bit like I kind of wish that I had heard the Snape kills Dumbledore spoiler before I read it because I'm curious what my takeaway would be now. Yeah, had that gone differently, um, but I did not. Um, I am excited to get to Deathly Hallows because I wonder if we will have the discussion should Harry have died. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so curious. Like, like <laughs> more than even this book, which I know I said, like, I remember very little of, but like, uh, Deathly Hallows is going to be very funny because I, reading it chapter by chapter, it is almost going to be like reading a new book. Yep. I'm like, I, I, I am, I am going to be going in like knowing the vague spoiler that like, of course, you know, Voldemort's defeated. Harry, Harry saves the day. They have a horrible epilogue at the end. Like, I know those things. But nothing else, right? Like, yeah. Like, like that is going to be a wild experience. Yeah. I saw a theory that Dumbledore was Phoenix Animagus and didn't die in the tower, but transformed and flew away, somehow faking his dead body. That's reasonable. Uh, I, yeah, the... I feel like that one would have worked if we hadn't seen Fox and Dumbledore in the same room all the damn time. It would have been kind of cool. Like, like that's one I would have um, bought, I think, at the time. Like, if if it turned out that Dumbledore faked his death and he was an animagus and he was Fox the whole time, and, and it turned out that, like, surprise, the twist was you never saw them in the same place at the same time, I, I, would, <laughs> I think I would be on board with that, right? Sure. Because um, that takes, surprise, that takes a established way magic works and, oh. and, and, and uses it to create a plot twist and like oh okay hmm. hmm uh harry and hermione as siblings she was the only one with no confirmed siblings and parents who were mentioned in passing only people decided she must be adopted and who better to be her real parents than 19 year old lily and james potter plus the fact that she's nearly a year older than harry now, i don't think i ever saw that one now zc you may not know this but some mm. people don't have siblings did you know that? <laughs> no, I've never, I've never thought about this. Me, an only child. <laughs> you might, you might want to think about that one. Yeah, didn't it? Did not occur know. to me that perhaps Hermione never mentioning having siblings must be a clue that she is a secret orphan. <laughs> to be fair, I really like this one because it, um, it accidentally touches on J.K. Rowling's very stupid family tree bullshit. You know, like, There's... no way Hermione could just be an only child of some characters that don't matter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or aren't related um... to anyone. There's there's that angle, and there's also the angle that it would have been a, um... It would have been a very Star Wars-ass reveal, right? Like, like, oh, Leia is your sister. Like... Oh, Hermione is your sister. That's why oh. you get along so well, because that's how that works. You're just genetically dis predisposed to, to, to get along well with someone. <laughs> um, McGonagall the traitor theory. This is just a post on its own. I don't know about uh, anything about this. I've one, never I've heard not... it, but I'm already on board. Yeah, that sounds fascinating. I'm just going to scroll real quick here and see if anyone else elaborates on this one. Yes. Uh, okay, here's where I dork out uh, on, the on the McGonagall theory. Throughout the books, Dumbledore says that he trusts Snape, but, but Minerva slides under the radar. She's just present enough to be likable, and there are things that could be clues scattered throughout the series. 
Uh, in book one, before we ever meet Harry for the first time, she is waiting as a cat at the Dursleys. She is surprised and perhaps ruffled even to see Dumbledore and did not know he'd recognize her as a cat. So why was she there? How did she, of all people, know that Harry was going to be his, his uncle's? And she questions Dumbledore about whether Voldemort is really gone. Uh, uh, remember also her reaction to the celebrations of Voldemort's death. She's cold, sharp, and angry. These are odd reactions. And she finds it astounding that Voldemort couldn't kill a little boy and wants to know how. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, mm, I'm not Complete bullshit, totally but I love it. Yeah, this is an, this is kind of in the same territory as uh, Jar Jar Binks as a Sith Lord, right? Where it's like none of these are clues, but if you think about them from a certain angle, it could work. You know, like if it had been. She's the one who finds the final message that says Ginny was taken into the chamber and tries to close the school. Then she says, weakly, that they'd all like to know how Harry and Ginny got out of the chamber and probes repeatedly for the answer. <laughs> I like this hmm. one. This is good. Yeah, McGonagall dis digs for info while Katie Bell is cursed and immediately dismisses Harry's Malfoy theory. Uh, that's, that's great. I'm, I'm on board with that one. I support that one. <laughs> uh let's you got time for a couple more here yeah There's, this is a long ass thread here uh draco being a werewolf seemed to be a thing for a while i didn't really believe it so i didn't follow it i remember that one uh, i mean that would go at least some ways to explaining the vanishing cabinet Fenrir showing up thing <laughs> and werewolves being such a huge weird thing that keeps coming up in this book for no reason yeah yeah uh, Sirius coming back somehow, we discussed. Ron being Dumbledore, we discussed. Uh, I think there was one where Pettigrew's silver hand was somehow going to be used to kill Remus. Oh, I remember that... this one, because it it's so... Yeah, obviously. He's a werewolf, Pe it's Peter Pettigrew, Peter Pettigrew killed all of the Marauders. Yeah. Like, either by accident or like like something that he did led to all of their deaths except for Lupin and he has a silver hand. Duh. Right, I can't yeah. believe that is probably that is probably my <laughs> number one I can't believe that didn't happen yeah, uh, that, thing in these that, books. That is obvious in a literary sense in the same way that um Snape or uh, that Sirius really being dead because he went past the veil is obvious, right? Like it, it that right. is that is a hauntological, like, that. Sh that is what should have happened. <laughs> uh, oh, is, that really is, bothers me. Yeah. Um, let's see, another Harry and Hermione were siblings one. Uh, uh, people argue that making a Horcrux itself wasn't actually dark magic, just the actual act of killing was. People thought Dumbledore's defeat of Grindelwald may have been a necessary evil that he used as an opportunity to make his own Horcrux. Uh, alternatively, yeah. people th thought Snape may have only said Avada Kedavra, but not actually meant it and non-verbally cast a different spell. Ooh, I like that one, actually. I really like that one. Yeah, me too. That's a good one. Um, that's I also good like, I like Dumbledore having a Horcrux. I mean, that's evil Dumbledore, right? Because he introduced yeah. the concept of Horcruxes, told Harry information that is selective about Voldemort having Horcruxes, but in fact yeah. had a Horcrux the, the whole time and saved himself yeah. from dying. But I also like the Snape thing, since we the also Snape... got that information about intent mattering. Oh, I'm thinking about the Snape one, and the more I think about it, the more details make sense, because it has been hammered in so many times 
that Snape is like really good at nonverbal spells, mm-hmm. uh, and is like a, and, you know is, is an amazing duelist or whatever. Um, and then also, um, there was a line in the Phoenix Lament that I th- highlighted because it was so weird, which was Harry telling when he was telling uh, 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 McGonagall how it all went down. He's like, and then Snape did it, the Avada Kedavra, like really <laughs> hammering in the exact spell he used there. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm like, I'm thinking about this and I'm like, actually, I'm into that. That would also, again, that would make him flying backwards make more sense, too. If you like yeah. stupefied him in reality or something, right? Like, yep. huh. Huh. I really like that. Uh, it was pretty concrete that R.A.B. was Regulus, as it always <coughs> corresponded in a different lane. Oh, um, yes, as it always as their names corresponded in every different language version of the book. That makes sense. Uh, many hmm. people thought Creature was involved, though the main theory was that Regulus forced Creature to drink the potion rather than having it himself. Some people thought Regulus was purpose- purposefully a red herring, and that R.A.B. was actually uh, Burke from Borken and Burks. The logic was that they would have known Voldemort from when he worked there. I like that one because Morgan and Burke do come up a lot in this and him, them wanting their artifacts back might be kind of fun, right? Like, yeah, uh, that, that, that's one I, that's one that it's like, there's no evidence for it, but I like it. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Regulus being so obvious, it really does feel like he should be a red herring here. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like you can't. Sorry, I have a big old sneeze coming. Um, oh, okay, it's gone now. Um, but like, J.K. Rowling, for someone who likes mysteries so much, seems so afraid of letting things hang um, mm-hmm. so often. And that's a shame, because I think some of the things that could be left hanging in the series could be incredibly fun. Uh, let's do one last one here. This is one we've talked about before, but it is so funny. <laughs> um Mark Evans, a kid mentioned in passing as a target as a as a target of a victim of Dudley's gang, was a relative of Liv- Lily Evans and would join Hogwarts and be relevant to the plot in some manner. That's so funny. I feel like I, I feel like if I were to ever write a, a series of novels and I had all these like key characters, I would write them down. And then, like, blacklist all of the names. Yeah, just just make sure that I'm not reusing any of the important last names, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, I... This one is so funny to me, and it's it's one that I, I'm always coming back to and remembering and, and thinking and finding very funny, is that it is... It is such an honest mistake... Yeah. Um, ...that any author could make. Uh, and I, you know, it's, I, I don't... I don't think it's worth, like, harping on her too much for it. The thing that makes it so funny, though, is that it is so funny for her to make that mistake, right? Like, this author who is obsessed with family trees and, and like, lineage and whatnot, for her to make that slip up and have a character, have a very important last name show up inconspicuously at the beginning of book five is so funny to me. 
I would make an Excel spreadsheet and I would put all of my names in it of all my key characters and all the other characters and I would set conditional formatting so that if any of them were the same, it would turn the cell red. <laughs> that's my writing strategy. That's my, my hot writing tip. Uh, I think that's a really good a good uh, tool. I think that's I think that's worth uh, worth doing because you you just you never want to be in this situation. You don't want to have two important characters named e- or you know one important character named Evans and one not right. Like you can't do that. That's uh, especially I'm in a story surprised. about families. I'm more surprised that it didn't get caught in editing, just considering that I right. I would imagine these books just had, like, the craziest editing teams. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, fun- the funny part about that is that, now that you mentioned that, it almost makes me wonder if it was intended and she just didn't say it, right? Like, just didn't sure. want to give away too much of the, the like, plan. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that one is, is very, very funny. Well, I'm excited for next week because we're going to delve a little more specifically into the between book theories with a couple of articles people wrote in 2005 about how obviously Dumbledore was not dead. <laughs> but for now, I think we should leave it at just those uh, just those like fun little little little, little teasers there. Um, and we should probably take it to the close. Our theme song is Hot McGonagall by Cheshire Moon. Uh, huge thanks to them as always for letting us use that as our theme song you can catch them on Bandcamp and you can find us at patreon.com slash streetcast huge thanks to them uh, huge thanks to you the, the listeners who subscribe to us on the Patreon uh, <laughs> we got all kinds of fun stuff there we've been playing The Witcher um, we've got lots and lots of Witcher 3 talk and talk about how dudes rock there and Liz for the final time uh, for Half-Blood Prince what are we reading next week? we're reading chapter 30 it's called The White Tomb. It's going to be so exciting. Every Everyone is going to be thrilled to be staying home from school to go to the headmaster's funeral. <laughs> I think we should end this very long episode with a piece of wisdom from Emerson Sparts uh, that might have a little something to do with uh, one of the subplots that resolves in this chapter. Oh, that's so intriguing. Biological age is easy to identify, but so is psychological age. <laughs> Just listen to them speak. Do they talk about the future or the past? The older they are, the more they talk about the past. That's that's the most um, probably downvoted hidden reply on the the, Re- the Reddit relationships post that Tonks made. <laughs> Please read another book and another subreddit if you're on that one. Please, for the love of God. <laughs> Please read another book. Makes Ocean Raw seem tame Better know what you're after If you catch a eye Cause this hot mama Is just a cat in disguise